0: My name is Lex, and this week on a special bonus episode of Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson's Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, very niche Ben Reilly complaints, and beefing with a 15-year-old. Get ready to join the Spider Society because it's time for Spidey
1: Signals.
0: Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. It's been like over a year since we did this.
1: (laughs) It's been a good bit. Yeah, Uh, a lot has changed. A lot is the same, but uh, there's still a Spider-Man. About a year and a half. Yeah, our last episode was was the No Way Home episode. Uh, which was in like
0: November, December of 2021, <laughs> yeah. like a
1: lifetime ago. More than one even. Uh, and almost, you know, before we get into the good stuff, I, I want to notate, you know, having mentioned that, it, it seems like there's almost been of a, want to get right to it almost, there's been a bit of a cultural like reappraisal of those. And I feel like out of nowhere, people hate the Tom Holland movies a lot more than they did a year and a half ago.
0: Well, we're in a we're in a post. Basically, yeah, I think after No Way Home came out, all of their movies started sucking really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Love and Thunder sucked. Uh, t- tons of other terrible, terrible movies. Uh, I think Guardians Three secret- is pretty much the exception. Guardians Three, well, I haven't seen it, but so was <laughs> the the fucking secret invasion show is the the fucking AI. Uh, title sequence that
1: fucking sucks yeah that's gonna turn a lot of people off it's all gone down
0: the tubes plus there's lots of multiverse shit now it's all over the place Uh, my hot take is that I didn't think everything everywhere all at once was a very good movie I
1: I, I enjoyed it quite a bit the first time I saw it but I had been like five six days out of a breakup when I saw it and I think that'll do it that was that gun a lot for you that for that movie uh i think it's a fine movie uh reappraising it with a more sober brain and face and heart uh, fine movie it's okay uh, don't don't think jamie lee curtis deserved a fucking oscar for it but that's a different you podcast
0: you know what i'm not even gonna get into it because uh, that movie has a lot of very vocal fans including multiple of my friends uh yeah, but no, all likewise. i'll say is that i did not care for it um but you know, I haven't actually watched uh, Far From Home in a hot minute. Uh, I, I did do do a little skimming through some clips and stuff just uh, out of curiosity uh, after watching Across the Spider-Verse and I still thought it was fun and interesting. I'm sure it's not as good as I thought it was originally. Uh and I think that reflects I did alt slightly, very slightly alter my rankings, but I still think it's a very good movie. As
1: did I, yeah. I think you're a big enough Mysterio head to maybe chalk any of that up to just, you know, like, oh god, it's the Mysterio movie. Here we fucking go, boys. Uh I I, I slightly altered my ranking, and we can get into that at the end of the episode, but I I think I've settled on I think I've settled on a different arrangement for for my particular tastes. But that's that's in a few. We got other stuff. We'll get there.
0: Anyway, it's been a hot minute. We're back. We we we've, we've both been very busy, but we're here now because before there wasn't really any new Spider-Man stuff to talk about, other than like the comics, which are like <laughs> exceptionally <laughs> terrible. Now we'll save everybody
1: uh, the the trouble of of talking about those and just say don't don't talk about it. don't don't, read them. don't. It, they're just, they're it exception,
0: they're exceptionally bad now as opposed to just being generally bad like they were before. Uh, but now is the time. The the wall to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is here. Uh, it's called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And let's get into those basic facts. This movie was released on June 2nd, 2023. We're recording this on June 22nd. So less than a month after this movie came out. Uh, the film was directed by Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers... And Justin K. Thompson, so it's a completely different directorial crew than the first movie Uh, Dos Santos did some work on Justice League Unlimited and uh, The the, the hit program Avatar The Last Airbender that people always talk about is good. I haven't seen it Uh, And Kemp Powers co-directed the Pixar movie Soul that uh, some of you might have seen Uh, And he also wrote the play One Night in Miami that also got turned into a movie
1: you know, your average animated movie has usually a team of directors, so it's good to have a couple pedigree, you know, signed offs on yeah. there.
0: This movie was written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Dave Callahan. To Lord a, Miller, you already know who they are. The Kings. Uh Christopher Miller. To the Lord, a bunch, they
1: did, they've done a bunch of stuff. You know who these fucking guys are. Most famous for uh, my, my avatar on, on Twitter that I'm still using two years later. <laughs> oh, well, of course. The, mo- the most famous.
0: This movie stars Shameik Moore as Miles Morales slash Spider-Man. Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy slash Spider-Woman. Uh, Jason Schwartzman as Jonathan On slash The Spot. Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara slash Spider Man 2099. Uh, Issa Rae as Jess Drew slash Spider Woman. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Hobie Brown slash Spider Punk. Uh, Karen Sony as, I'm uh, sorry if I mispronounced that, as Paviter Prabhakar slash Spider Man India. Brian Tyree Henry. As Jeff Morales, uh, Luna Lauren Velez as Rio Morales, and Jake Johnson as Peter B Parker slash Spider Man. The music is by Daniel Pemberton, who did the soundtrack for the last movie, and he fucking he went crazy on this mm-hmm. soundtrack. Oh yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about this more as the movie goes on, uh, but he went fucking nuts. The the soundtrack of the first movie is already great. We talked about that in the episode that we did on uh, Into the Spider Verse. But he—I'm going to say this about a lot of things in this movie—he fucking turned it up, turned it up to the next level uh, on this soundtrack. There's lots of really great uh, pieces that he's done throughout this. Uh, This movie had a budget of a hundred million dollars, so just about ten million more than uh, the last movie. Uh, And so far, because it's still in theaters. It's uh, made a box office return of $500 million, so more than uh, Into the Spider-Verse. But, you know, yeah, that's good. It's good to see that this movie is making money.
1: Uh, it's making more money than The Flash. I, man, I'm making more money than The Flash.
0: <laughs> How embarrassing. What a, what a, what a what an embarrassing film.
1: Anyway, Alex, do you have any personal experiences with this this hit film? Not, not overtly uh, more than anyone else that saw it in the theater. I bought my tickets as soon as I could, went and saw it with uh, my partner, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, it was, uh, let me, I got my calendar right here next to me. Opening night, yeah, 10 p.m. Opening night, couldn't, I uh, wouldn't have missed it. Uh, had a great time with it, left the theater, kind of ruminated on the plot, and to prep for this, I didn't uh, download a cam rip and watch that at home from the comfort of my computer chair, and... Uh, I will say a second watch of this movie really, really adds a lot. There, there was shit I didn't realize that had happened the first time that was happening. Um, a lot of it becomes clearer through a second viewing lens. Uh, we'll, we'll get into all that, but just personal experience-wise, this is one of my, like, from here on out is going to be in my head, like, the definition of a, oh, yeah, go back and watch that one again. Like, a, you know, I I don't mean to compare it to something like Inception, but, yeah, something, you know, like that.
0: Oh yeah, uh, I haven't seen Inception, uh, but I did not watch this movie on opening night because I uh, was busy. I've been very, like I said, I've been very busy recently. But I did watch it. I think a couple days afterwards, uh, at, a, at an IMAX screening at nine thirty in the morning, uh, which is, a, I, I think, a great time to go see the movies because nobody's there. Mm. It was like it was like nine thirty on a Sunday. I, I ended up seeing it again, a second time in the theater. Uh, with my family because they hadn't seen it. Uh, and then the third time, I'm not I'm I'm not gonna pussyfoot around like you did. I fucking watched <laughs> like eight cameras of this movie. It was I was trying to find one good enough uh, to use for the artwork of this episode. Uh, the one I ended up using for the artwork had like sharper, like cleaner colors. Uh, but it was all in I think Spanish or Portuguese. I couldn't tell.
1: You didn't have the version where Miguel says
0: to go to slots.com or whatever. Slotslights.com uh, our, our favorite place to be. Uh, gamble. Our sponsor. G- gamble now. Yes, this episode is sponsored by SlotsLights.com. So if you want to uh, gamble, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, we're not legally responsible for any of this. <laughs> you want to just go right into the plot of this movie, Alex?
1: Yeah, we might as well, because there there is some hefty plot, um, as we'll get into in some trivia later. This is a lengthy film, not like crazy lengthy, but for an animated movie, it's... Uh, it's out there. So we get our typical, you know, it's a Spider-Man movie. We got Sony, Columbia Pictures, Marvel, Sony Pictures Animation, Pascal, Lord Miller. Are you going to go through the all, all, all the titles, you fucker? Just, just for is this, that just, just that instance of, like, Jesus Christ who didn't work on this movie. We get our comics code again. And, uh, you know, in these movies we're, we're used to the uh, I'm, I'm X character, let's do things blank way origin. But this time it truly is a little fresher than it has been. It's delivered by Gwen in the opening here. And uh, from here on out, it becomes very clear this is sort of a Gwen movie. Um, she's very much not sidelined. She's as central a character as Miles in this movie.
0: Yeah, that, that that's literally one of my notes is that she's basically the duratagonist alongside Miles. And I really like this intro specifically with uh... It's going to sound corny with the, the stuff with the drums. I think it's fun. Oh, it I is. like the way that it looks and just in general, specifically uh, the way that uh, Gwen's universe is portrayed. Uh, it It's just this movie looks really fucking
1: good. Oh, yeah. It looks better than any uh, Spider-Man comic in the last decade. I went back actually and watched uh, the clips of of
0: uh, like Gwen's little intro from the first movie. Uh, and it's like it's almost like night and day, like comparison, like the visuals of how this universe works, uh, where everything's all like smeary and watercolory. Yeah, they really and in the first like, one, it's like, oh, this, oh, there's this, there's some streaks on the buildings, uh, which, you know, not to d- diminish the first movie, uh, but it, it, it pales in comparison to what they ended up doing here, yeah. where every, it, especially later on. Uh, just the vibrancy of the color. Uh, and the the way that there's just like geometric shapes that appear and everything is like tied to people's moods mm-hmm. It's it's such an interesting visual uh, uh, Visual playground we're having fun here yeah. and, and we're what we're only one one minute into the movie
1: and, and it makes sense Because it wasn't quite the point in the first movie We just needed enough to to move the plot forward to understand Gwen but now that we have you know are firmly rooted in her world for for chunks of this movie. It makes a lot more sense to show it off. And
0: now we can can just, we can just play. We can
1: play now. Absolutely. And like you said about the drumming, um, I love it when a spider person has interests besides science. And uh, you know, Gwen's a musician. Hobie, who we will meet as a musician. You know, Peter's a photographer besides uh, besides a scientist. And a a lot of times the only plot excuse to get him to do photography is daily bugle stuff. So I love seeing spider people have a life which Gwen has at band practice because she's in a band, um, the Mary Janes. Her, which is also her, you know, in, in the comic, straight one to one there, and in her, let's do this differently. Narration uh, this time around, uh, she she goes over. It, they, show, they show us flashes of what happened in the first movie, bits and pieces but it's kind of made apparent that this is um, this prologue is also it, it is a prologue it, it it almost assumes you've seen the movie which you might not catch till the second time around but she's showing uh, in these flashes, like, events that are gonna happen over the course of the movie to come um, really interesting I really like that choice, like uh, when you go back and watch it again, you'll see shit in it that's like, oh my god, that's huge. I can't believe that's also in the first minute of the movie, but, but with no context, it's great.
0: Yeah, it's like Gwen narrating what's happening in the movie after it's already
1: happened, mm-hmm. uh, instead of, like, a, uh, as it's happening, thing it's it's really interesting. I like it. I'd love to put a pin in that because it's going to be super relevant at the hundred percent mark of the story. Why it's being told that way, at least in my interpretation. Oh yeah. So uh, anyway, on Earth sixty-five, Gwen's watercolory, streaky world. She is uh, more than a little upset about having left Miles to fend for himself. Um, she's struggling with the concept of of letting a friend into her life again, and all of this. Um, is presented to us, you know, visibly the way it is during a drum solo that she's way, way leaning into. Uh, just whiplash mode. Just completely ripping ass. Um, ends up leaving the uh, the band practice in a huff, you know, tension because she won't let her bandmates in, uh, you know, enough into her life. Just, you know, throws the stick down, storms out. Um, great little opening sequence as she enters her world and uh, gets on the subway Go home, as Gwen, not as Spider Woman. A little shot of Miles, like in the window, over her shoulder, on her mind. You know. Uh, so at this point, we get let more a little into like the story of Gwen. We we got a very very quick and dirty uh, origin story in the last movie where she alludes to her Peter having been the Lizard, but we get a way way more in depth um, reading of that this time around. Um, she's. Uh, I think, in, I think in the first movie they used the model
0: of uh, of Peter B. Parker uh, as her universe's Peter, which is really funny. Just like she's her best friend is like in the in the first movie. It looks like her best friend is like
1: this middle-aged guy. It's so fucking funny. As alluded to in the prior film, Peter, uh, Peter Parker of Gwen's universe died the lizard. He he attempted to be special like Spider Woman, who it turns out he knew was Gwen. He concocted a lizard formula to get back at his bully, uh, Ned, which I thought was fun. Uh, his bully in this world wasn't Flash Thompson, but Ned Leeds, I guess. Uh, that, anyway, he, he wants to be special. He wants to be a, a powered person. So he drinks some uh, Globulin Green, or Lizardulin Green, to uh, make him special, which makes him become the lizard. He goes on a rampage at a dance at the high school. Wendt attempts to neutralize him, but a steel beam uh, falls and inadvertently crushes him to near death. You get a little moment where he reveals, hey, by the way, I absolutely know your spider woman and passes away in her arms. Uh, just and there's there's a
0: bit there's a bit earlier on where they establish that. uh they're establishing the relationship between Peter yeah. and Gwen, uh, where Peter had taken a bunch of photos of both Gwen and Spider Woman. So I'm sure that he was he had immediately pieced two together. It's like, hey, wait a minute, because he's Peter,
1: you know, it, like of course he did. Um, he's a he's a smart cookie. They also do a really great job up to this point of showing us the relationship that um there was a great familial bond with Gwen and her father and Peter and his Aunt May. They were like they spent holidays together. There's a lot of great like. Really, really quick, like, blink-and-you-miss-it, like, frames of some stuff of them spending holidays and meals together. They're almost like two broken family units pushed together into one. It's really sweet. Which, yeah, ends tragically. And her Peter, uh, is voiced by Jack Quaid here, um, of the boys, Scream uh the currently the youngest person what? to have guested on red letter media uh, i was about to say the, that one episode of plinketto yeah yeah he's a fun guy i like him um
0: take your fucking pills <laughs> he's
1: uh he's gonna be superman in an upcoming uh like anime style superman show for adult swim oh i, th- I thought you're gonna say he's gonna be superman <laughs> in the James Gunn movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, who told you that <laughs> james gunn called me this morning and said hey you know the guy from them boys uh no, I talked James Gunn's got a direct line just to you. Yeah, he's a big fan of the show. Shout out to James Gunn, who's our our patron, our only patron on James. Patreon. Come on the show. <laughs> Defend the Flash movie on the program. Please, I would love to beat us debate us anyway. Uh, Peter dies in Gwen's arms and who else should show up on the scene? But officer George Stacy. Uh, with a gun leveled at Spider Woman, um. who also looks completely different from the way that he did in uh,
0: the first movie. There are uh, the first movie, he looks like this little nebbish little guy with a mustache, and
1: now he he's built like a brick shit house, like a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah. Like a John Lucy drawing, the, the sex pervert that did uh, Ren and Stimpy. Like any given like shot of just a big oh fuck dude yeah, on he that does it show, look a, like a John he, K drawing. He looks exactly like a John. I want to hear like a foghorn on any close up of him. It's it's like that. So uh, Spider Woman gets away, but you know leaves the impression in Officer Stacy's mind that she is responsible for the murder of this child at a dance. Um. This is a. I, I want to put a you know brief pen in telling the story to just make an aside. Gwen hears a a news broadcast, you know, about the hunt for Spider Woman. Presumably, the man on this radio broadcast is J. Jonah Jameson because it's the booming voice of J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K.
0: Simmons is in this movie as at least three different. J. Jonah Jameson. Mm.
1: Some of it's fresh recording. Some of it is absolutely canned dialogue from Spider-Man 1, Raimi, that I can absolutely pinpoint. Yes. Um, But it, it it seems that one of the multiversal constants is that one man alone is meant to play J. Jonah Jameson. Who else? Who else? Too iconic for his own good. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's public knowledge that Captain Stacy is leading the hunt for Spider-Woman. Uh, Gwen sneaks into her window while her dad is cooking. Uh, they have a little conversation, just trying to catch each other up on what's going on in their worlds. And he says they have a, a lead in the case, thinks it's going to bring closure for the both of them. But it's very apparent that Gwen is an ardent Spider Woman defender, and uh, makes the point that capturing Spider Woman, arresting her, won't bring Peter back to life. It's you know, which makes sense to me. But you know, when you're a cop dad, you got a cop dad. Um they they argue for a bit it's pretty heartfelt and it ends with uh are you too punk rock to hug your dad moment And
0: and again we get that uh it, it's good obviously it's gonna get called back later in the movie Uh but we have that moment uh with just Well I was sitting there in the theater watching this scene It just like it's like five minutes into the movie where they're having this conversation, and they have that that wide shot of uh, Gwen on the right and uh, her dad on the left. And he is trying to reach out to her, and he's he's basically glowing with these very warm colors. and Gwen is standing over in the corner, uh, in these very cool colors. and her room is very cool, uh, like lots of blues and purples. And I'm like, this movie it fucking looks amazing. who else who else is doing this? Who's cooking shit like
1: this right now in animation? It, it makes me very happy that this is, you know, not the last one. We have at least another in the pipe, uh. which is
0: it, it's, it's kind of funny because like, you know, you look at the state of animated film and a lot of, you know, ma- obviously mainstream North American stuff There's obviously all kinds of animated movies across the nation that have not across the nation, across <laughs> the world that are different styles and stuff. But specifically in mainstream American animation uh, for a while, it was always just dominated by like, let's rip off Pixar. Uh, And everything just looked kind of boring and the same Uh, But now it's like let's all let's all rip off the spider-verse movie So uh, like I didn't see Mitchell's versus the machines, but it was like that like looked cool Like it had an interesting visual style and the new Ninja Turtles movie that's coming
1: out like, I like that the new strategy is let's just rip off the Spider-Verse. Let's see how many, uh, how many Reznor-Ross scored movies we can name drop in this episode before Alex says something, because we're up to two. <laughs> you said Soul earlier, now we're talking about Ninja Turtles. It's It's got my, my nine-inch nails senses tingling. Trent, Trent Reznor will score the third movie instead of Metro <laughs> I mean I mean, I wouldn't complain, but that's me. Um... So on the on the police radio, there's some chatter, and uh, supposedly the vulture has been spotted at the Guggenheim Museum, and George needs to go respond, so he goes to do so. Uh, once he's gone, Gwen listens in on that same frequency on a radio hidden inside a plush penguin, which, you know, it's neat, Spider-Man's gotta have a radio, right? Uh... She suits up and pursues, uh, but first she takes a look at her selfie of her and Miles that she took on the bus in the first movie that she keeps stashed in a drum head with her costume. And when
0: when she jumps out the window to to swing over to the goog, uh, the her Gwen's theme plays and Gwen's theme is probably my favorite piece of music in the whole movie. Uh, it's just it's just fucking great, it, especially with that that where she jumps out of the, of the, the apartment window. And it goes to that incredibly like sharp coloring where it's all flat, it's like there's no real shading to it. Uh, it looks like the obviously the, the cover of the Spider-Man comic books. And it's just, folks, the movies <clears throat> are back. I've been saying this for many years, but the movies are back.
1: I have a 4K Blu-ray player, but not a 4K TV. I'm actually moving in a few weeks, and my new roommate does have a 4K TV, and I've made it very clear that this, the first movie, and Blade Runner 29 are going in my shopping cart like the week I move in. I've got some movies to watch. I need to get the 4K version of uh,
0: Into the Spider-Verse. I only have it on Blu-ray. I do have the original Blade Runner on 4K. Nice.
1: Very nice. Folks. Um, (laughs) Movies are back. So we get some more, some more great uh, landscape shots of, of Gwen's world as she's uh, en route to the Guggenheim. And uh, before we see her arrive, we see Captain Stacy uh, on the scene. Great little, you know, quickly brief me what's going on moment. Talking to Yuri
0: Watanabe, uh, who is a character in some of the other comics. Uh, she's also mm-hmm. a, a main character
1: in the, in the PS4 game. I didn't catch that that was her. Good. That's cool. I did, that, that must have flown right past me. Who that character was meant to be, yeah uh where he quickly gets a look at uh the case file you know hey vultures in here so they pull up the case file on this world's vulture quick blink and you miss it thing but there's a picture of him attached and he's got like white skin and red eyes he looks like a fucking like salem's lot vampire uh, it's it's odd i don't know if you caught that i would love to see what the vulture is really supposed to look like in this world that, that she deals with regularly. I haven't read a lot of Spider-Gwen comics, so
0: I don't remember what the, the vulture looks like in uh, in those comics, but it's... I do
1: love that, but, that like you said, the Salem's Lot-style uh, vulture. Right, so, you know, that's what we're to expect, is that that vulture will be there. Uh, Captain Stacy warns his team to look out for signs of Spider-Woman, not realizing that they're actively being bound with Webb behind him. Uh, eventually, he's also subdued, and Gwen taunts him about the active manhunt for her before leaping into the museum. So, once she's in there, she calls out for the vulture, who manages to evade her spider sense and knock her over. And that's when we get our first good look at this vulture accosting her, who is not her vulture. Uh, he's like a medieval, renaissance, parchment-and-ink, uh, an ink da Vinci-looking like always moving, always shifting sketch. It's really, really hard to describe him without just using adjectives of like stapled to each other over and over. One of the most, one of those visually interesting characters in the movie.
0: Oh yeah, he shows up for like five seconds, and you're like, oh my god, this guy's fucking amazing. Uh, th- I there's. Tons of parts in this movie where I'm convinced that it's they just put 2D animation mixed in with the 3D and not necessarily I don't uh, not necessarily this moment with the vulture, but there are moments where I'm like that just looks like a, like a 2D drawing that you, they, they superimpose into 3D and not like in a bad way. like it, it looks it makes it look really interesting. like it's all cobbled together, all these different kinds of art styles. Uh, and they're 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 taking everything up to the next level here. Yeah. Like we had some stuff like that with uh, with like Penny in the last movie where her her uh, lip flaps didn't match up with her VO like that was part of that universe's style. But they're just they're just turning it up even more, especially when we get to characters like Hobie where everything. It, it all just they're they're taking the style of it and and just oh, yeah. increasing it to, to another level. And it's it's crazy what they're what they're doing
1: with this with this movie. I was gonna say the only character that you could even begin to compare this vulture to is Hobie with the the shifting background paper. Oh, oh,
0: oh we'll we'll get oh, to yeah. fucking Hobie. We will. We'll get to we him. Will.
1: We're all big fans of Hobie, my in my in my household. Uh but yeah, great uh great concept of a vulture here, voiced by uh Jorma Lonely Island. I'm not gonna pretend I know how to say his last name. Jorma Tacone. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Jorma Lonely Island. Uh He's, the wingsuit seems to be like a pulley-type thing. He's always, like, flexing these pulleys with his, with his hands and wrists, and uh, that's when we get to see him glitch for the first time, making it even more obvious and apparent that he's not from here. Gwen deduces that he must have accidentally ended up here somehow uh, to this world, unwillingly. Not, not his choice, which the Vulture confirms in the course of their fight. Uh, the fight traverses the museum, uh, see, and there's a lot of real-world uh, Guggenheim exhibits here. Um, they get knocked over, slashed apart, uh, destroyed. Uh, there's a lot of fun bits about this, this Renaissance vulture and his disrespect for modern art, uh, you know, fun stuff, writes itself. Um, eventually, he, he has this, like, it's a helmet that clasps around his face, sort of like Iron Man style, and fires a beam, which is always a good thing for the vulture to have is a beam attack uh he fires that at gwen and uh, deploys a grappling hook to finally like pin her down and I,
0: I think he specifically mentions that the beam is like greek
1: fire yeah something uh, something in his arsenal just, is yeah that's that's great i love to see that you know the good old economical or rather ecologically friendly greek fire um He's about to swipe her in the face with his, you know, razor vulture talons, when a glowing series of red whip-like cables emerge from a portal, uh, followed by the rest of Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, who just bodies him, just bodies the vulture. This great. Who is who is built built like a fucking brick shithouse. Do you remember how he looked at the end of Into the Spider-Verse? That's Oh yeah, he just looked like a guy. He looked like another Spider-Man model with a different suit. He's had he's hit chest day since then. He is Miguel went full Barry
0: Bonds and just started eating a hearty hearty breakfast of of uh life cereal and fruits and vegetables and you know getting his his vitamins in and he fucking god
1: he just he's fucking huge. He's cultivated the mass. And in and, he's got, opinion, and he's got a cape. Yeah, a cape that uh, can dissipate at will, which is awesome. <laughs> Um, Which, as Peter B. Parker says, Spider-Man doesn't wear a cape. You know, little seeds of discontentment there. I will say Miguel's theme, that little punchy synth like flare I don't really know what else to call it. That's my favorite piece of music in the movie. I love it so much. Um,
0: that oh. bit just makes me laugh now because I hear it so many, so much at like fucking like TikTok meme. Sure, sure, sure. About this movie. It just makes me laugh at this point.
1: I, I love it. It's still retained its 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 value for me. It's, it's and solid. also
0: I would be I would be remiss to uh, ignore this uh, friend of the show Lumber Jackson. Uh, he mentioned when the original uh, like the teaser video for this came out before the trailer and stuff. This came out like two years ago. Uh, he there was a bit of that theme playing and he mentioned that it sounds like a part of the theme of the the cartoon spider-man unlimited yes yes. Uh, and i was like oh shit it does so that's that's really interesting sort of incorporating that stuff from another different cyberpunk spider-man
1: into uh into miguel's theme i think i i read this somewhere i can't remember for the life of me there was some rights issue or something where they wanted to use They used Miguel for something instead of Unlimited or the other way around. I don't remember if it was for a game or what, but, you know, it easily could have been that, you know, Unlimited is just as popular as Miguel is now if that hadn't happened, but who knows? Cyberpunk Spider-Man, good idea. Unlimited is such a weird show. It's not quite
0: as weird as, like, new animated series, but it is a weird show. I'm glad we didn't cover it.
1: (laughs) Maybe, Maybe we'll talk about it one of these days. I, I I had a weird bit of nostalgia for the new animated series not too long ago, but that that is what it is. What a program! Go listen to that episode. What a fuck! What a fucked up program. So uh, it, while there's still fighting happening, Miguel begins to introduce himself to Gwen. Uh, you know, as she's asking who he is. And he mentions very briefly that he's from a team, uh, an elite team from across the multiverse. And you know, she's every time he starts to explain something, she's also already asking another question. Uh, this time about his his travel watch on his wrist. She uh, wants to team up with him to handle the vulture, but Miguel kind of shrugs her off and is like, "No, I I, I assure you, I have this." Uh, just as the beam attack gets him from behind, classic classic beam attack.
0: And she calls him Dark Garfield.
1: Yeah, the the caped blue satyr. As the fight continues, uh, Captain Stacy and the other cops now enter on the ground floor of the museum. And uh, Miguel alludes to Gwen's mess, uh, the Kingpin's collider, being something that he has to clean up. Essentially being like his his prime job here is mopping up the messes that uh, occurred from, you know, over spillage of... People in the collider. You know, uh, people are popping up in holes in other worlds, and uh, it's Miguel's job to send the wayward ones home. A vulture asks what they're, you know, talking about and doing while they're fighting him. And they there's a great bit where they both admonish him to shut up. He's being nosy. That's you know just good. I I, I love it when the quips don't make my stomach hurt. Uh, that that was a good example of one of them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, very very fun. Uh, not not too eye rolly reference to uh, no, the events of No Way Home that they used in the trailer. Uh, Doctor Strange oh, yes. and the Nerd from nineteen nine 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 nine. That was enough. That was enough. You know what I mean? That was enough. enough. I
0: don't need. Uh, there, w- we'll see. We'll see later that there are sections where they put live action footage in this movie. I don't. I don't need live action Tom Holland to show up. And be like, hi, guys, I'm live action Tom Holland. I'm
1: here, too. <laughs> that's, that's great, Tom. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't need that. It, it wouldn't help the way the other stuff helps. That that also also obviously we'll
0: we'll get there later. But it, it does make me laugh that uh, the, the the vast majority of the Spider-Verse are all like cartoon characters. And there are like just a couple weird universes where everyone looks like flesh people. Yeah, it's it's. Uh...
1: that's a great point (laughs) it's really good if you guys are fucking weird looking what's wrong with you then you've got 60 spider-man that's his whole you know totally separate thing anyway (laughs) uh gwen secures uh captain stacy to the wall by his hands with web uh you know in an attempt to keep him aside from all of this Miguel leaps in and destroys a bunch of the vultures little you know throne bomb annoyances and uh tries to snap away one of his wings before the vulture shrugs him off and fixes it with, uh, you know, little editor's note explaining Hammer Space and all that, in case you forgot, you know, these cartoon concepts from the first movie. So Miguel asks Lila, his AI onboard, you know, suit assistant, to call for backup, which, uh, she does, but teases Miguel about it, uh, I, I I can't imagine like having an onboard assistant that just fucks with me. Like it's I it's fun it's cute I get it but like do the thing I said to do. There's lives on the line.
0: Lila Lila's such a great character she's so right. fucking funny. Uh, and there's uh, apparently people have found out that there were two different cuts of this movie uh, because at least in the one that I saw uh, when Lila makes fun of him for wanting to call backup she takes a, like a a funny selfie of him with like a with a, like a bunny filter like on Snapchat. Uh, but apparently there's another cut of the movie where she just, like, points at him after that instead of doing the selfie. It's weird.
1: It doesn't make any sense. I think the rip I saw had the pointing, but I couldn't tell you if the, what I saw in the theater version. So.
0: Folks, what, what's going on here? What's what, happening? Which
1: universe are you from?
0: Tell us in the comments. What if they just do in the next movie that they just have a completely different ending?
1: Like like Clue. <laughs> that would be fun, but what if this happened? So we get uh, another addition to our spider elite crew as Jess Drew pulls up on her motorcycle through a portal, crashing the cycle into the vulture and burning rubber across his face, the memorable entrances ever. She's got fingertip webs, which I'm not the biggest spider woman guy. I don't know if that's typical of her, whatever variant you you know choose for your spider woman. Jessica Drew is
0: such a weird character because her origin makes no fucking sense. And she was originally created, not even as uh, completely separate from like the regular Marvel Canon. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. i don't I don't like i don't I don't think about Jessica Drew too much because it makes my head hurt,
1: right. But they had to have another one. So here she is. Uh, why not? Weird little awkward joke about her pregnancy and Gwen wanting to be adopted by her. That's like one of the very few comedy misfires of this movie,
0: yeah, not great. Uh, but I mean, Jess Jess being pregnant, that's a thing from the comics. Yeah. Uh, where she did a bunch of weird spy shit when she was pregnant. Uh, but hey, I'm not a comic writer, so... Women, Uh, go... uh,
1: But, uh, she, uh, says to a reluctant Miguel that Gwen could be a part of their team, which, you know, he doesn't seem too keen about. Uh, Vulture hits a cop helicopter, uh, which isn't good. That's gonna put some cop lives in peril. Um... Is it around that point where Miguel just about takes like a bite out of his neck? Oh, yeah. Miguel goes full vampire mode and tries to fucking bite his face off. Yeah, it, it's I, I'd forgotten exactly when in the fight that happened, but that must be right around the helicopter thing. Yeah,
0: I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that was, because later on, we see what Miguel usually does with anomalies. They just put them in a box and they send
1: them back home. So I don't know what he was planning to do by fucking just murdering. him. God, maybe he's not supposed to do that. I don't know. It's supposed to show the audience that he's got cool guy things, I guess. Gwen manages to uh, web up and prevent the helicopter from spiraling down, uh, like all the way to the floor. It's barely off of it when she like fully ensnares it and saves the pilots and the patrons below. They recycle that exact same. I think that's a Banksy like audio that that's post Malone. Oh yeah, exact same take. They just reuse.
0: Which I was like, did you need to? Did you need to recycle that? Was that necessary? We
1: remember. Uh, before she can adequately rest, a tired Gwen is held at gunpoint by Captain Stacy. Uh Her spidey sense flares, but she can't disarm him because she used all her web stopping the chopper. Oh, there's a bit
0: uh, earlier on that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. Um, when the helicopter crashes through, there's a bit where uh, Gwen is like trying to contextualize the situation, trying to figure out what she wants to do. Uh, and I, just the way that there's like that split screen of like her thought process. And I was like, that's and it's like contextualized by her in, in terms of her playing the drums. And I'm like, folks, it's character informing action.
1: We're making a movie here.
0: This is the story is being told through the characters and
1: they're showing us and not telling us. It's this working. is this is what it's all about. She she tries to talk down her her cop dad and he fires a warning shot into the air uh, he tells her she's under arrest for the murder of Peter Parker, and uh, he she keeps pleading that uh, he doesn't understand. He says the same to her. And Gwen does the only thing that she can in the scenario and unmasks, revealing her secret identity to her father, like the last person she wants to know. George lowers the gun in complete shock, once again in one of those John Kay style mouth mouth-agape man-detailed-face shots. <laughs>
0: And there's there's a shot, particularly once she takes her mask off and is trying to plead with her dad, uh, where it's just this this shot where she's like pleading with him, and then the, just the eyes are behind her, and I'm like, that looks like a fucking shot from like a
1: 1960s comic, and that's great. I love that. Really, really good. Without being like heavy-handed either, like just solid.
0: Where it's they they would do they would do that all the time in the in like Silver Age Marvel comics, uh, where they would be like. You know, Peter having this dramatic situation and just like the eyes of Spider-Man over it, like this eye caused this problem. And it's like, oh, fuck.
1: Symbolism. It's good. She she says she wanted to tell him, uh, but she didn't. She didn't murder Peter. But, you know, he asks how long she's been lying to him. Uh, She pleads that they have the same motive to help others, that it's all about the same thing but that's when he begins reading her her Miranda rights and starts raising the gun on his own daughter before Miguel swoops in and, and decides to interject and save Gwen by placing George in a geometric hologram prison, which is usually reserved for those anomalies he deals with, but uh, it painlessly puts George, you know, away enough to buy them enough time to escape and get Gwen freed up. Uh, Miguel also has the vulture apprehended, wrapped in some more of those glowing red... Web cable things. I don't. I don't necessarily think they're webs. I... They're cyber webs. They're worldwide webs. An LED RGB gamer.
0: Yes, he is. He's one of those guys that uh, buys one of those gamer chairs that like re- reclines all the way back. I'm now, kitten, daddy's saving the multiverse. Yeah.
1: And when he injects himself uh, later on, that's G fuel. Mm-hmm. He's got a sponsorship. Yeah. Jess comforts Gwen, uh, who's clearly not okay with the situation at hand, and Miguel scans for other anomalies, none are detected, immediately present. So they open a portal home. George kind of silently pleads with Gwen, his eyes really saying everything, and Miguel tosses her a watch, all but inviting her to join his little spider club. Gwen turns her back on her father and enters the portal, uh, Giving us, you know, our end of our little Gwen introduction uh, to where we get more of our, you know, title card. We I'll get a motherfucking
0: die. title card, dude. That's how you know the movie's good, if they have a fucking cold open
1: before the title card. Mm-hmm. Getting us to Miles' time. We're back to the, the other oh, yeah. main character on Earth 1610. Uh, At Brooklyn Visions Academy, Miles' school, Miles' parents, Rio and Jeff, are at a meeting with a guidance counselor, uh, played by Rachel Dratch, uh, who I I think I subconsciously caught that in the theater, but only, like, confirmed it after the fact. Uh, It seems to be just a typical, little, like, um, parent-teacher conference type thing. Miles is running late, swinging there as Spider-Man. At the same time... New, uh, not new, but uh, new in this universe villain, The Spot, who is uh, a, a, an old comic guy. Uh, I I only am really familiar with his appearance in the 90s animated show from when I was a kid. Um, but it's nice to, to get a fresh villain in this movie uh, that's I, mostly unfamiliar with wider audiences.
0: Yeah, The Spot is known by like eight people before this movie came out. Uh, but the, the spot is so funny. He's like a, he's like a, if Mysterio is like a C tier villain or he's not really, he's like a B tier villain, or so. villains. uh, the spot is like a, like a D tier. Nobody fucking knows who the spot is, but there's one thing yeah, that, that I love about wheel. the spot and it, dude, we got to get big wheel and beyond, right? <laughs> We've been waiting the big, the big reveal is that that big wheel is going to be in beyond, uh, but It's specifically only in this scene. I don't know why they don't do it in the rest of the movie, but I love the way the spot moves in this scene. Like he looks like a 2D animated character, especially because he has those like
1: sketch lines. I love it. Like in the Uh, shoulder, especially. He's got these like orbital, like, like animation sketch. Oh, yeah. Shoulder moves. He moves like a 2D character. And I just I love
0: the way that he moves in that scene. Uh, And obviously Jason Schwartzman, the goat.
1: As uh, the spot, he's great. The Wes Anderson and Spider-Man Venn diagram continues to maybe exist. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a- AI generated Wes Anderson Spider-Man movie? What death? Death? <laughs> lethal injection. <laughs> the the spot is casing uh, this uh, casing the joint. He's looking at an ATM at a bodega through the window. Uh, I love his blend in clothes. He's wearing like a blue gray shirt. Jacket almost looks like a zipped up members only jacket a little bit. Uh Brown fedora, green shades, just people clothes, you know. Uh He, he enters the bodega and places a, a hole kind of over the keypad. That's his thing. He can he can enter. He can place holes that he can reach through. They're part of him. He, his, his power is that he has like cartoon holes from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You're going to hear the phrase my holes like a dozen times in this movie. Yes. Is
0: donut uh, holes. They need to do a crossover with Tim Hortons, the, the, the spot hole.
1: Denny's, holes. get a hobbit meal. The Spider-Man
0: meal. But the, not the Denny's hobbit hole meal.
1: He, he places uh, one of his spots on the ATM and has a hard time actually manhandling the cash. He, he reaches all around the, the bodega, grabbing food, handfuls of nothing, but he eventually gets his fingers around the money, but not before the machine sinks halfway into the floor, with the bottom half protruding from the sidewalk outside. Having seen this, the proprietor grabs a baseball bat and confronts the spot. Miles has entered the store, kind of silently clinging to the ceiling and heating up a beef patty in the microwave at the same time behind everybody's back. Spot gives some brief exposition about how he was formerly a handsome, by scientist standards, uh, Alchemax employee before he is what he is now. All of this while he's being chased around with a baseball bat uh the proprietor gets stuck in a hole and loses the bat saying that the atm machine is insured uh or rather the spot is like hey atm machine's insured no issue which is when miles chides the spot for his use of atm machine he offers to pay the proprietor for the beef patty but it's going to be free if spidey can stop the spot spot is shocked to see spider-man uh and he Really quickly attempts to fill him in on their history, but Miles just does not give a shit. He, he's busy, he's got to take care of this. Uh, he gets a little bit out that he's from miles past, but nope, Miles gets a phone call. Uh, manages to you know, try to fight the spot some more. Great little moment where he tries to web him and the web gets bounced back in his face uh, through a spot, and the spot gets away. Uh, great little introductory scene for our villain of the movie and presumably the next movie too.
0: I, I knew that when they announced that the spot would be in the movie, I didn't realize that he would be the main villain of the movie other than, you know, Miguel, which we'll get to later. Uh, it, it's just it's it's great that they, they they followed up Kingpin, which is a character that most people mm-hmm. know, like people who don't read comics. I mean, uh, and they're like, OK, here's the next villain. It's the spot because like people, even when they did Mysterio and Far From Home, like people have an, a general idea, like they played the Spider-Man yeah. PS2 game. Like, I know who Mysterio is, but if I can, nobody knows who the spot is unless they watch the cartoon. So
1: it's like, oh, okay, it's fun. He gets to be the main villain. It'd be really easy to just dip into what was popular, what worked with Raimi. Kind of, you know, not no shade to No Way Home, but a lot of the, you know, road on. Oh, we got Molina, we got Defoe back, you know. In this case, you know, they used a Green Goblin briefly in the first one, but it was more of an Ultimate style Monster Man Green Goblin. They used a Lizard, but it was a spin on it. It was a Peter Lizard. They, they've not once yet just gone, uh, you know, they had a Doc Ock, but it was uh, it was Olivia Octavius. They haven't yet not once gone, uh, just do what Raimi did. Just, uh, they, they haven't gotten lazy.
0: Yeah. No, no Way Home was a movie multiverse of, like, movie stuff, but now with, with this, they're doing, like, just all kinds of weird shit.
1: We'll get even further into very of villains don't you worry about that we'll see miles uh gives some narrative voiceover we get a little of uh you know i'm miles i'm spider-man it's been a year and four this months. is what I, this is what i've been doing for the past year a year yeah. and four months 16 months of being spider-man which would place him a you know uh sophomore in high school i think they mentioned now uh, yeah i mean he's like 15 yeah there's a quick little montage where he says he caught some bad guys. Now, I, I couldn't identify who all these guys were, but I see a guy in a purple suit with a beard. I could not tell you who that is. He fights the frogman at some point in this. Uh, this is the frogman who was in the fucking She Hulk show. There's a, a guy in like a bear suit who I hesitate to think is that Craven, but I don't think they'd save that for just a flashback. There's a purple yeah, guy know. who might be the beetle. I don't know. But he fought some bad guys. Uh,. You know, more exposition, Miles and Spot, their fight rollicks through the street, uh great little montage where they're stuck a bunch of different ways and Miles is stuck in the spot like one one. It's just his face coming out of his face at one point. It's very fun. Uh Miles explains he made his new suit with the you know, the red streak down the sides. Uh you know, fun twist on the old one.
0: Which 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 I like. It looks like uh Old Mets uniforms from the '80s, where they had the racing stripes down
1: the sides. It's different enough to like be visually separate, and it doesn't seem like it was just a "let's sell some toys" move. It's like, yeah, this is his suit that he purposefully made after just spray painting one of Peter's in the last movie. You got to yeah. think he's, he smelled horrible in the climax of End of the Spider Verse. He just fucking it's, reeks of spray paint fumes.
0: It, it, it's, people complain a lot in the MCU movies where it's like Peter changes costume too much, but I was like, it works. In those movies, and it works in this movie because the co- the changing of the costume emphasizes a change in the character. Exactly. Uh, you know, Miles has become more mature as Spider-Man. Yeah, it fits with him.
1: Really. Uh, we find out Aunt May moved to Florida. It makes sense. You know, if there's no Peter and no Ben, why well, stick around New York? Right? For her, endorsed a baby powder, made an apology video for the baby powder, grew a mustache, worked on this Venom strike. Uh, the baby powder, by the way, was from the brand Charm and Stammer, which you know—that's they got to do that a bunch of times. Did he also make an apology video for the mustache? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> no need for that, Miles. Uh, as, as a fellow mustached uh, man, I—I I, I, I applaud you. Go for it. Well, well,
0: folks, it wasn't a—it wasn't a great mustache. got yeah, give it time. He also uh, drew like he drew so so many pictures of Gwen.
1: At one point, he knocks out city power, and I'm almost positive that's where we get another J. Jonah Jameson, like, Spider-Man knocked out the power, like, over the... Yes, the that does In happen. In his world, as well, there's a J. Jonah, J.K. out there. It's it's beautiful. It's all pervading. Uh, he's still struggling with the idea of telling his parents about his identity, which, you know, fun little fake out there about him doing it, but not really. He misses Gwen a lot. Is the main like driving force of all of this, uh, and also he expanded his uh, expectations painting in memory of Aaron and uh, all of his other adventure companions that he all his his friends. Is... Miles is like one of those artists on
0: Twitter that's really really good at drawing one very specific character, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh fuck, this is vaguely concerning.
1: Yeah, he, he's wow, he's really good at this little pig type guy. Uh, he's he's texting his parents throughout the fight. Boring-ass fight. You know, watching some subway surfers and some family guy. Uh, That's what he should have been doing. At this point, the fight has carried to right outside the window of Brooklyn Visions Academy, which, you know, tends to happen with his fights a lot. You know, they might piece together eventually who he is. Uh, and in, there's a point where it rollicks through a, uh, a, a car wash, maybe into the foam party cafe that we heard about in the first movie. Uh, an embarrassed child takes off his Miles mask as Miles, like, further loses to the spot. It's, it, it, you know, it, this fight is still happening. Almost they live style. Miles eventually uh, weaves this rooftop web through the holes, uh, snaring Spot's limbs in order to, like, pin him and pull him and essentially, for now, neutralize him and keep him submitted in place. It uh, admonishes him not to escape as he enters his dorm room uh, running late changes, asking Genki, who now has voice lines, if he'll call the cops. But Genki's too busy playing Spider-Man PS4. G- Genki is great because he just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I don't care. Do you, you're Spider-Man. I don't. I'm give not. A fuck.
0: Normally, you know, you, you have you have Spider-Man. Uh, you know, your your classic friends of Spider-Man who are like, I'm going to be involved and I'm going to help you in your fight against crime. And he's like, Okay, you're cool. I don't care. I got shit.
1: You know, not so slap in the face. Fun MCU reference. He says, uh, I'm not your guy in the chair. You know, that's great. I like it. That's enough. It's not heavy handed. It's almost. But it's 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 good. I like it.
0: Yeah, it's it's different. It's it's entertaining. It's a different. It's an interesting. I hate to say it. Subversion of expectations. Oh, (laughs) Ryan
1: Johnson, please come on the show. (laughs) Um, He he also mentions no spider signal, which had me like, oh, hey, hey, you know us, hey, hey, there we are. It's eight people that remember the spider signal. Two of them host this show. Class lets out, so uh, to get to his meeting faster, Miles uh, goes invisible and crawls along the ceiling to not be slowed by traffic. There's there's no way nobody saw him when he was fucking running on the walls
0: before he went invisible. There's no way.
1: Everybody knows, they're just being nice and not telling him
0: that seems to be a constant with 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 this podcast where everyone knows that that so-and-so is spider-man and so is spider man they are just like i don't care
1: miles uh counselor needs him to start considering his future as he's not really focused on anything as far as she can notice uh that's when he enters and his parents really you know lay into him for being late his grades are good except for his b in spanish which of course leads to some tongue lashing from rio Uh, There's a fun little bit where his dad says twice that Miles takes after his uncle the first time for his art skills and the second time for skipping class. Uh, the teacher wants to paint them as a struggling, poor minority family, which they balk at, which I honestly I thought that scene was a lot of fun. You get the, the a presumably rich, white teacher lady sitting there trying to drum up this like narrative. Yeah. of the family, because
0: just like we have a fucking apartment in Brooklyn.
1: I uh, would. We're not struggling. Rio is a successful nurse. Jeff is, you know, down the pipeline for a big promotion. Miles is a genius and a superhero like they are the least like typical the uh, thing that she's trying to drum up here as as this weird little like the us thing. I don't know. Uh, it's it's they don't really do that ever. Just
0: like there's more Gwen in this movie. There was also a lot more Rio and Jeff. And they're also uh, really, really good. These Pete, they know how to write the movies.
1: Yeah, for sure, they have uh, more fleshed out roles than just cop dad and and worried mom that they were in the first movie. Yes, Um, you know, not to diminish what Jeff went through in the first movie, because he's more than cop dad in the first movie. He's he's struggling father, he's grieving brother, he's a lot of things. But they do so much more with those concepts this time around. And right off the
0: bat, oh yeah, and it is, and and that's and that's another uh, thing that makes Miles as a character more interesting is because he has
1: more of a familial relationship uh, than Peter does, far more. Um, So yeah, they balk at that, but uh, the issue quickly becomes more that Miles wants to attend school outside Brooklyn like any reasonable person who wants to leave their hometown would. Uh, And Rio just cannot condone that. He pushes for it anyway, wanting to uh, achieve... He wants to go to Princeton for uh, the quantum physics degree over there in New Jersey. Uh, He says the people who want to teach him the things he wants to learn aren't all in Brooklyn, which is a great, 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 like almost subtle, like, hey, he means the spider people, too, in other dimensions. He clearly wants to further his education in these quantum advancements so he can not only learn things but learn how to open portals and go meet his spider friends again so
0: he could become a superior spider-man
1: yeah, precisely uh-huh. but like it's you know they don't tell you this they, he doesn't say out loud to the camera i want to learn how to go to other dimensions so i can see gwen again but like it's great that line that, that all the people who want to teach him these things aren't all in brooklyn Fucking love it i love that so much um Good. But yeah, uh, Miles, his sense flares, noticing that the Spot has freed himself, and he bails on this meeting, as does Jeff, when his radio goes off about the same thing. Uh, Before Rio can leave, the counselor alludes to the fact that Miles is not telling her the truth. So, whatever that means, right? Spot and Miles' fight briefly wrecks Jefferson's cruiser, and he yells at the pair for fighting at his kid's school, like we were just talking about. Spot is upset with Spidey for uh, ditching the fight. Spider-Man calls him a villain of the week, which is, like, the worst thing you can do, I think, right?
0: And that ends up becoming the main impetus for Spot's entire villainous arc, which is fucking awesome. Really, I love It's that. great,
1: because I don't think it—it it doesn't really, like, strike a chord as something that's been done before, at least in one of these major Spider-Man, like— for everybody like a movie you know it's always like it's his it's willem it's somebody's close with willem I, I don't even call him norman <laughs> it's it, it's norman it's, who's close. it's willem that what that rascal dr connors it's harry no this time around it's it's some fucking guy and he's elevated to like eldritch t- status by the end of all this anyway uh the fight spills into the ruins of the alchemax collider folks from the last movie there's, there's no safety precautions regarding this fucking, like, essentially ground zero for they the got, apocalypse. They got some railings. This is a union job. Come on. it's got some Star Wars railings this is what's on, and it's not safe. Um, the spot refers to this location as the crucible of their connection. Jefferson considers jumping into a spot portal to follow after them, but takes the stairs, which is a great little bit. A lot of the comedy in this movie is so off the cuff, like quick little scene that just happens. It's really refreshing to watch a superhero movie that's funny and funny on purpose. And like, there's like a handful of misfires. You can't win them all. but. Oh my god! The the comedy in this movie is really really good.
0: Jeff running down the stairs is also the exact same thing that happens to Miles when he's uh, yes. thinking about swinging from the top of the building at the in uh, into the Spider Verse, where he's like, "Oh fuck!" and he just runs down the
1: stairs. Yes, I I love it when when you chime in with something I can cross off my trivia list. I I, I love that uh spot explains that miles is responsible for his creation he now properly gets to flesh out what he was trying to say earlier he was an alchemic scientist who was uh working on the interdimensional projects he brought another dimension spider here uh from earth 42. that spider bit miles imbuing him with his spider powers he reveals he is the scientist that got bageled in the face and into the spider-verse you know and he has a terrible haircut (laughs) Yes. every Everybody noticed the bagel on onomatopoeia. It was fun. It was a great little, hey, that was fun. Even the fucking Spider-Verse Twitter account three years ago tweeted about it, and in, like, in hindsight, it's like, this is great. I love that's it. That's fun. That, that, that's one of those fun retcons, where you're like, I don't care that it, it, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's but fun. I'm not gonna lie, that's where my brain went immediately. with The first time he mentions, I was a scientist at Alchemex, in my brain, I'm like, oh, what if he was the one that got bageled? And, like, that's what he is. I... Oh, it's beautiful. I wish I... It's my Rich Evans predictometer went off again. Uh, not to not to mention The Last Jedi. A trigger warning, The Last Jedi for our listeners. Uh, before we went into that movie, I told my partner, how funny would it be if she hands Luke that lightsaber and he just throws it? He says, this bitch empty, yeet, and throws it. And then we saw the movie, and I, like, turned mouth agape to my partner, and I was like, oh, another,
0: odd. Another, another movie take uh, that has nothing to do with this. Uh... For me, uh, I think that The Last Jedi is a good movie.
1: That's the official Spidey Signal stance, is that The Last Jedi is
0: a oh, oh, so you, we both agree. Okay, oh, no, I, okay, okay.
1: that's the, easily is the, the seal of approval. Oh, I love that movie. I'm a big Ryan guy. Uh, sorry if you choose to not listen to us anymore after that, but come back when Ryan gets a Spider-Man property to work with. Get over it. Star Wars sucks now. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It all sucks. This movie's good. Miles doesn't remember Spot at all. Has no recollection of these events. Spot, because who would? Spot created Spider Man. Spider Man created Spot. Uh, that's also, you know, memes come out of these things left and right. I think that's probably my favorite thing right now is the "I created you, you created me." Spider Man, why kill this guy's family? I, you know, I, I'm sitting here just. It's, it's great. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just the thing people... Spider-Man, why don't you RDM that guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. I, I'm happy with it. Um, the Collider explosion granted the spot his abilities, but at the cost of everything else. Now he has no job, he has no family, no friends, he doesn't even have a face. Uh, with his rage building, it's, it's just it's skin now. It's all just skin with holes. Yeah, he's, just, he's just a mannequin now. He's he's anatomically. He's a Ken doll. Uh, he is dripping his own spots off and he falls in his own hole screaming about Ugh. Spider-Man's nemesis. I don't like I don't like the, the phrase dripping holes. Don't say that. <laughs> the whole warning. Uh, Jeff tells Spidey that he has to be a better role model, which is ironic, I guess, and they have a conversation here, uh, just kind of chilling and talking in the aftermath of the spot incident uh, with Spider-Man offering to talk to Jeff, and uh, they chat about pressure and expectations and what's going on with Jefferson's son says his son is so smart, but he does stupid things, and that he's not honest, and that he questions his own abilities as a parent because of those things. He doesn't want to lose Miles. Spidey says to let the kid spread his wings, and uh, offers a fist bump before leaving, saying that uh, the, uh, the, the, the spot holes guy won't show his face again. So, great little moment there. I really, really enjoy their They're like dynamic, not only as father and son, but I really love those Miles and Officer Davis moments or
0: it is always fun when Spider-Man has to talk to somebody that Peter knows or uh, Miles, whoever, whoever the spider person is, Uh, when they have to talk to uh, somebody that they know uh, when they're not Spider-Man. It's always
1: fun. So uh, it turns out the spot is actually trapped in himself, uh, a white void with floating ink spots uh, all around. Really, aren't we all? Aren't we all trapped in ourselves? Truly. Truly. Uh, He pokes his head into one of these holes, entering a half-toned, comic-shaded world where he frightens pedestrians on a sidewalk. uh, The woman in a spotted shirt begins bashing him in the face before he pulls his head back through, realizing his holes can take him anywhere. Uh, he puts his head in another one, taking us to one of the most fun sequences of the movie, Lego World, Earth-688, where he uh, crash outside the Daily Bugle. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch more on that world later, but from there he pokes his head into the convenience store uh, of the Venom movies.
0: There, there are two major flaws in this movie, uh, and one of them is
1: that I have to be reminded of the movie Venom. Uh, what a what a piece of shit movie that
0: was. I, he
1: poked his head into that world and like he's talking to the convenience store lady, and I'm realizing what's happening. And my partner is looking at me like I don't know what's happening. My partner saw the first Venom movie. I, I saw it too. We didn't see the second one. Um, wow. I had to lean over to them in the theater and go, "That's the lady from Venom." They couldn't even get Venom, and then we just kept going back to it. Which I mean, and, and honestly, I don't want to see Tom Hardy and his fucking. Face in this movie. That's not a Tom Hardy diss. He's a great actor. I just, I have ethical fucking quandaries with just them making Venom movies without Spider Man. But we've talked about this on air before.
0: Well, hey folks, maybe, maybe, if Marvel can get their shit together, we can get good a good Symbiote movie with Tom Holland, folks. Oh, yeah. It could happen. I hope
1: you got a PS Five. They, they set it up at the end of of No Way Home. They sure did. Let's see if they ever get to do anything after No Way Home. <laughs> Um, there's a fun little bit there where as, uh, the Spot takes some gum and it goes back through the hole, the gum is on screen for like a second, and you can see that it's Venement gum. Not Doublement, but Venement. Uh, he lands back at Alchemex, remarking at the power of the multiverse in the palm of his hand. So, back on LEGO World, Peter Parker surveys the damage of the Spot's brief appearance outside the Daily Bugle, which is where we get our canned dialogue of Raimi, Jonah going, I want pictures! I want a picture of Spider-Man on the front paper for tomorrow's paper! That's just dialogue from that one. It's great. And uh, so Peter hops too. He gets in a Lego elevator and changes costumes, making his own boop-boop noise as he opens his wrist device to contact Miguel. He reports an anomaly before signing off with another boop-boop, and Miguel regards him as one of their best. Loved it. And, and and when we're talking about the,
0: the Lego section,
1: shout out to the like the
0: fucking 14 year old kid that they hired to do this sequence uh, because he did like some and he, he did some animations of uh, the trailer of this movie. Mm-hmm. They like called him while they were in the middle of making the movie like, hey, kid, you want to you want to make a little sequence in this movie? He's like, sure, I'll do it over
1: spring break. Preston Mutanga. I hope I'm saying that right. But yes. Preston. Yes. Shout out to him. Way to go, Preston. Good shit. Keep it up. Uh, back on Earth, sixteen ten in Miles' world, it's time for Rio's party celebrating Jefferson's upcoming promotion to police captain of the squad. Uh, Miles, meanwhile, and still in a Spider-Man garb, is trying to get an apology written on a cake uh, for the party. It gets so long-winded that it takes two cakes, a la the earlier line about not being able to have your cake and eat it too at the uh, PTA conference, unless you bake two cakes rio gives a speech about jefferson's uh weight as a baby before jeff commandeers the mic and uh actually gives a speech uh talking about his his deceased brother his hopes for miles future all of this kind of tinged by the fact that miles isn't there miles is again stopped on route to get these cakes home by spider-man duties like clearing a villain from the train tracks i think it's the armadillo i think i got that yeah really the armadillo makes, not terribly familiar with him but uh, a quick venom strike and another another problem.
0: z tier spider-man villain
1: the guy thinks he's big wheel e- even lower than the spot or our, our lord and savior big wheel so he clears the tracks uh tries to do all this without destroying the cakes uh which also get left on top of a taxi follow uh you know following trying he stops he stops a guy trying to steal a bunch of sneakers and nikes yeah Uh, Jefferson reminisces, like I said, about Aaron, about destiny, and it pans up to this great mural of him that Miles painted uh, on their building, Uh, Rest in Power, uh, Aaron Davis, beautiful stuff. Jefferson toasts Rio, then Miles, who he calls the reason he does any of this. He'll be there for Miles, even though Miles can't do the same for him right now. You get this great little sequence where Miles uh, fluidly dresses in his street clothes, I wanted to talk about that sequence
0: uh, for a second because it's I think it's a great example of what you can do just on a visual level because I'm going to talk about this a lot on a visual level with animation because I can imagine this scene if it was like in live action and it would probably be like a static wide shot of uh, uh, Peter or Miles, you know, climbing out and just trying to get their shit together. Uh, It would be funny, but it wouldn't have like the same kind of energy or like visual dynamism. Uh, that that little sequence in the staircase does. And I think that's, again, a really great example of why doing a a Spider-Man movie animation is that's that's what that's the thing to do.
1: You know, just looking at, you know, the bare bones of logic, Spider-Man as a comic book, it's always going to make more sense that the things that make sense in an animated form are always going to make more sense visually animated than they would live action just by it being, I don't know, a little goofier than nature you know uh animation is king oh yeah I, if del toro sticks to his word and he's nothing but animated from here on out i think the world is honestly even better off for it i hate the idea of not seeing any more Oh, sorry i bumped my bike i hate the idea of not seeing any more live action del toro movies but at the same time i've seen some of the shit that guy puts his name on and i'm here for it uh this is this, this is my b- mic again do it again <laughs> sorry yeah uh, stuff Uh, This is my hearty recommendation for you to go out and watch Mad Mud, which uh, Del Toro did not work on, but he has been plugging it somehow more than I I knew you were going to fucking talk about Mad God eventually in this episode, you you fucker. We said animation about a dozen times before I said Mad God, count yourself lucky. So, um, (laughs) God. So Miles has the cakes, and he tries to get him up the stairs, trying to dodge his mom, but somehow bumping into both of his parents. When he goes to reveal the apology cakes, the icing has been smeared and runny to now read, I'm not proud, rather than the lengthy apology note that he wrote for his parents. Uh, his parents grill him about his lack of responsibility while trying to maintain the party vibe. They ask if he was palling around with Ganky, who they don't like because he calls them by their first names. Uh, but also, they name he names Peter and Gwanda as other friends he hangs out with, but they're out of town, sadly. Uh, his folks want him to appreciate the life that Miles is squandering. That they've they've worked so hard for him to be able to squander, uh, resulting in them grounding him for a month. Also set up with the perfect opportunity to tell his parents everything that they want to know that he wants to tell them, but he obviously can't tell them that he's Spider-Man with this party crowd. So he walks away. It's like a uh, it's like
0: it's like that scene in Spider-Man Two where uh, Peter it, like is on the 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 phone booth outside and he's like trying to explain to MJ that uh, he's Spider-Man, but he's like standing in the middle of a giant crowd and it's like, there's gotta be at least one person who's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Oh my God,
1: is that guy Spider-Man? Uh, he walked, I mean, that guy might be Spider-Man earning a second month on his sentence.
0: I, I do. I do like that, that becoming a Spider-Man has made miles both, uh, f- make him crack more jokes and also has, has made his life more
1: terrible. Yeah, it's the direct pipeline. That's what made Peter that way.
0: That's it's it's all part of the plan.
1: Miles laments these um, recent events in his room, turning to his illustrations of Gwen for comfort. Uh, We then get a fun little twist moment here. That it seems that end event from the very very end of Into the Spider Verse, where Gwen opens a portal and says, "Miles, got a minute?" and they reunite. Turns out that didn't happen. Two seconds after the climax of the movie, it happened 16 months later. Because that's happening now. Uh, that's that's how they actually reunite. I, I thought that was a great, great retcon. That's fun. That's fine. Uh, people were mad at that. People were like, "It's st- uh, it's misleading." I don't fuck you. Who cares? It's a fucking Spider-Man movie, folks. Folks, <laughs> you people don't know anything. It increases the
0: romantic tension that they've been separated for so long. You people don't even fucking know.
1: You know, it's If anything, they're on model now. So you just, what are you mad about? You know, it's it's fine. Uh, Gwen opens her portal and uh, folks. I don't know. (laughs) We just don't know. But yeah, it turns out that happens now. Gwen opens her portal in Miles' room, making a bunch of items float around and spin. She greets him like we've seen with the got a minute. They hug, and uh, she remarks on his growth spurt. He hides the Gundams, like you do when you have a girl in your room. You gotta hide the Gundams. And uh, tried to say his dorm room is cooler than this, his childhood room. Gwen unboxes an action figure, which is a big oof for all of us in the audience. Here's the thing. They've shown us the animatic for this scene, and Gwen, like, gets upset and apologizes over what she did in the animatic. She's completely unrepentant in the final movie, and that's another It's it another gripe fuck? for me. Like, ugh. at least have her cringe or something. She's just totally like, oh, well, that happened. Um, who keeps their fucking toys in the plastic what are you a nerd i, I, the, I have exactly one toy in the plastic i'm rocking with I, gwen I, I it, i'm rocking I, with gwen i want it in a bingo game and it's already beat to shit so it doesn't make any difference if i take it out i've got enough r2d2s i don't need an, an unboxed one on top of that anyway uh she notices the gwen folder she found she found the gwen folder boys the the sketchbook <laughs> Oh, bros she found the gwen folder he, he posts on spider twitter later that she found the pissed drawer in the gwen folder uh miles thought he'd never see her again despite being grounded he joins gwen spider-man's not grounded and they take off uh into the street you know flying around doing spider-man stuff
0: with they they, they, they swing around and do a little, a little fun uh thing with a very good dominic fike song Uh, I want, I don't think, I don't remember if we mentioned the original soundtrack, uh, that had like Sway Lee and stuff on that in the last movie. Uh, but I want to say that the original soundtrack of this movie is also really good. Like the score, uh, produced by Metro Boomin. All really good songs is, a uh, I think there's Kenny Beat's song in there. There's lots of really good stuff. I'll go listen to Dominic Fike. I, I said before that if Brockhampton was still together,
1: they would have had a song on this soundtrack. Oh, I believe that wholeheartedly. It would have been good. I should mention as well that uh, when Rio and Jeff discover Miles not in his room, this earns him a third month on his sentence. Uh, Miles is informed about the elite spider task force, with Gwen briefly talking about Jessica with Miles uh, while they perform some acrobatics across the city. He describes Miguel as a vampire ninja Spider-Man good guy and explains that their rescue and send back missions uh, are, are their primary body of work. She alludes to working with a Hobie who lets Gwen crash in her dimension sometimes and sort of stirs a a, a, a borderline jealous bone in Miles. I, I think that whole plot subthread is interesting, but like, I don't know that they need. It's like two <laughs> seconds. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, for sure. Like they, they don't dwell on it enough to make it a problem, but it, it, it almost feels like I'm smelling Spider-Man love triangle bullshit again. This smells like Sp- Spider-Man 2. What's going on? Genuinely, I do, I I have, I've
0: said this before since the very start of the series, that I really do appreciate well-written romances in Spider-Man stuff, and the Miles Gwen stuff here is very good slow burn stuff, and we're eventually, I assume we're eventually gonna get some payoff for that and beyond, but there's lots of good, you know, emotional separation and stuff like that, we'll get to Pav,
1: obviously my boy,
0: obviously understands what's going on here, but We're we're on the right track, folks. We're on the right track.
1: Even if they didn't end up together, it wouldn't be the most like unsatisfying thing if they carved out a new narrative, you know, with all the themes of independence and stuff in these movies. I would be just fine if we didn't get a traditional payoff to the romance between the two. I wouldn't. (laughs) I get that. I get. uh, But we'll see how it goes. I'm more inclined to think they're going to do it that way than they aren't. But you know, subvert. We'll see. Um, but yeah, they, this is our first name drop of Hobie, another of Gwen's uh, Spider Task Force accomplices. Uh, Gwen vanishes, deploying a Spider Drone before rejoining Miles. The drone is watching Spot, who is loading gear into some sort of warehouse. We'll get into that more in a bit. On the Williamsburg Bank Building, Miles asks Gwen about her situation uh, while she's secretly monitoring Spot. She tells Miles to never, ever tell his parents about her, about his secret identity, uh, and that it hasn't gone well for her. This is where we get that really awesome, like, camera undershot, where they're sitting on the underside of the outcropping on the top of the building, but it's played as if we're just looking at them sitting from behind normally. Awesome, awesome perspective. One of those things that, like, you can really only do in a Spider-Man movie.
0: Um, they don't even have to sit
1: like that. They just do it for fun. For, they just can. So they want just to. just
0: for just for fun and humor.
1: Miles uh, joins Gwen sitting there sharing the sentiment that some things are just for them. It says that Miles is the only friend that she's made since Peter. But Hobie, Miles chimes in. But that's different. Miles and Gwen are the same in the important ways. Gwen uh, says that Gwen's always fall for Spider-Man and it never ends well. Miles suggests there's a first time for everything. Folks, the drama. This is what it's all about. Two spider people backtrack to the party. Miles uh, snapping up some food to share with Gwen, and his parents kind of notice the two of them spending the time together. Uh, Miles is shown the wrist device and uh, how it prevents travelers from glitching, preventing Gwen from glitching here anyway. And he verily, he's very, very, very insistent that he wants to be a part of this team. Gwen says she'll put in a good word, but uh she's cagey that there aren't, you know, there's not a lot of spots. It's kind of exclusive. Miles is already kind of like feeling some sort of like I, I don't really understand. I'm I'm Miles, I'm a great Spider-Man. Why why can't I be part of it? But all, all
0: of this obviously is there, there's there's a, a building sense of dread in the audience, especially if you watch it the second time and you understand that uh Gwen's little spiel in the beginning about her Essentially betraying Miles, it's like, ooh, ooh, yeah, it's all coming together, folks. There's going to
1: be some drama. <laughs> Absolutely. Rio interrupts this little heartfelt meeting and uh, introduces herself, returning Gwen's uh, jumper back to her. Rio and Rio and Jeff are are shocked that Miles has brought home a white woman.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. I can't. I can't believe that you brought home a white woman. Unacceptable. To the police captain promotion party of all things, too. They remind Miles that he is grounded, and Gwend is to uh, unceremoniously leave with just an awkward handshake after also referring to his parents by their first names, which they've made clear they're not fans of. Rio stays behind to talk to Miles, uh, and this is our little conversation that we got in like our first little trailer for this movie, where she, ta- yep. she talks about how she's having a really hard time seeing Miles grow up, how there's a still a little boy that she raised inside him. And that she tells him he can still share anything with her, but he needs to take care of that little boy. He needs to always be watching out for it. Uh not let anyone tell him he doesn't belong where he feels he belongs. He's kind of mm, I
0: wonder I wonder I wonder if this is gonna come back in any way. He's mm.
1: like physically tugging on his Spider-Man sleeve while she's next mm, to him. Uh but he, he only tells her, you know, that he's sorry, that he's late. That's the only thing he can tell her. Ryo gives him permission to leave and go to see Gwen, to be ungrounded for just this occasion. Um, But first she wants to take one last look at him and take him in as her son, soon to be him, who no one can look out for but himself. Uh, He promises to do all that self-watch outing for, and uh, that he'll make himself comfortable where he belongs. He's still going to absolutely be grounded upon his return, but on his return, he promises he'll have a cake. He suits up on the fire escape, going down and uh, being witnessed by a dog walker on the final zip-up, which is, you know, a couple seconds of, you know, almost bad timing, but it's fine, comedy. Uh, Miles is pursuing Gwen in secret, following her to the spot's new, not-so-new, lair. He causes a distraction with a cop car outside to get in unseen, with a still-invisible Miles following suit. Lab interior is a wreck. Uh, It's clear that the spot has been working at this, what he's in here doing for some time. The drone shows a recording of what happened. The spot built a micro collider and got sucked in, uh, imbuing him with not only more spots but telling teleporting him away and vanishing. He just—I looked at—he like just stuck his finger in there like—he's also like dialoging the whole time he does it because he never shuts the fuck up. But you know, it's, it's Jason. you you're you're here for it. Uh, Miles spies amongst all of the Spot's science stuff that he's collected and put together in his little lair, the 42 Spider Cage, among a few others, and Grimaces. Jess calls Gwen, seeing something is amiss in her uh, contain-the-spot mission. They try to track the Spot, with Jess chastising Gwen for checking on Miles, who is apparently being excluded on purpose, much to his invisible shock. Gwen says she'll never see him again. The Spot is now... T- Jess is Jess is such a fucking fed. Yeah, for real. Like, not even a fun one. She's a she's a spider fed. <laughs> that's that's what we'll call her. Gwen is spider woman. Jess is spider fed. The spot is now capable of making his own stable interdimensional portals, and is only visiting universes with alchemexes to power himself up. Gwen is begging. Uh, Sorry, Gwen begs Jess not to tell Miguel about her slip up for being, uh, for her fear of being sent back to her home Earth and having to face the consequences of what went down with her father. Jess allows her one more chance, telling her to alert her, or rather, to alert the next local spider on the path that the spot is on and to link up there. She faces Miles, not knowing that he's even there, before entering a portal. Ooh, the romantic drama, folks. He does let out a little goodbye, Miles, before she enters the portal, presumably just talking to him in general out there. The idea of no wistful drama. Miles thinks on these events before following and being sucked along the time stream himself. Miles finds himself falling through the metropolitan mashup city of Mumbatan, uh, sort of Manhattan and uh, Mumbai. Mumbai, thank you. We're we're in, we're in
0: motherfucking Mumbatan,
1: people. On Earth 50101, uh, he spies Gwen chasing the spot uh, in the distance, who is trying to find the alchemex of this world. I love the spot specifically
0: poking his head around and just talking to people. He's like, oh, oh hi, yeah. uh, can I have some of this food? And he fucking
1: just shoves it in his face hole. And despite uh, being uh, metropolitan, it's a very lush environment, Mobotan. Uh, it's very, very green, very uh I, I hesitate to say watercolory because it's a you know the word we use for Gwen's world, but it's very um, it's bustling, it's busy, but it's it's not like a horrible. Alex, fucking... Alex I'm
0: gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a pronunciation guy here. It's Mumbatton.
1: Thank you. I like Manhattan. That makes sense. Uh, it's it's great. I I like it. It's a lot different than what we saw in that first teaser trailer because you know a lot of stuff has changed since oh, yeah the, uh, since that first trailer we got, but still uh it it, it it's very. I'm happy with how it turned out. It's differentiated differentiated enough from a lot of the other worlds to to I don't know. It's it. I'm glad it's there. It breaks up the yeah. The very the,
0: the way I would describe it is just like incredibly like dense, obviously, because it's based on Mumbai, which is a very densely populated city. Uh, and the way that it's drawn specifically, it reminds me a lot of like I don't know, like a Mobius drawing, like the artist Mobius. Uh, it's just a lot, you know, a lot of very dense like landscapes but with very simplistic coloring uh i
1: it's it's folks it looks great there's a lot of negative space type stuff too well there, there'll be a lot of white in something with just some like color in and around it to kind of suggest it yeah. i mean with like the freeways and stuff really great visually interesting not a single world in this movie like lacks uh, and also, it Miles. also
0: makes sense, the, the Mobius connection also kind of makes sense because Mobius did some work on uh, like Silver Surfer comics,
1: so he's done work with Marvel before. Oh, yeah. Miles kind of distracts Gwen throughout this sequence, who inadvertently lets the spot escape further. The two chase him, with Miles glitching and Gwen saying that Miles should not have come here uh, and that she shouldn't even have seen him. This is where we meet newcomer to the film and film in general, Spider-Man India, Pavita Prabhakar. A simple, simple origin story. Six months, easy life, no major Spider-Man pains yet. He's got great hair. I love that Pav, the idea of Pav being the Spider-Man that has no problems. It's Absolutely great. Zero. Yeah,
0: very, very chipper, it's, very easygoing. It's like it's uh, almost like a Spider-Man Homecoming type thing where it's like, I don't really have a whole like, well, I'm sure my uncle's dead, but I don't really have a lot of problems outside of that. Where it's sure. just it's just about having the the fun of being Spider Man, which is is a, an avenue that isn't often explored. I feel like because most people are like, oh, I wanted my Spider Man's already better angst. I'm like I like that too, but I also like the other parts where it's like being Spider Man is actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just the power and responsibility. There's you know in most tellings of it, he's a 15 year old kid. You know there a lot of stories choose to breeze past that as fast as they can. Or if you're or if you're Tobey Maguire, you're a 32 year old kid. Exactly. With with zero riz. Uh, that's a word now, guys. Uh, it's been a few years. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're 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 incorporating our
1: new catchphrases uh, here for twenty twenty three. Look out in four years when we refer something as an even stupider word. Uh there's a fun little moment with like the chai tea callback to the ATM machine. There's a, yep. a and I'll get to even more of that in our in our trivia. We'll get there. Uh, Pav has a girlfriend, the daughter of Police Inspector Singh, because there's just something about being the son of a policeman or being into the child of a police person. It's, it's required Spider-Man fare. These, it this just new, keeps happening, folk. It just keeps happening. This new trio of Pav, Gwen, and Miles uh, face the spot again, now with improved powers on his part. There's a great little "eat, pray, love" self-improvement in the east joke there that Pav throws at him. Like, don't eat, pray, love me, bro. Great stuff. There's um, there's
0: one bit specifically in that part where uh, the spot is like, "Oh, I upped my game, man. You made me feel like there was a hole inside of me, and I found out what to <laughs> fill that hole with—more
1: holes." Excellent. They just don't they just don't do it like this anymore. It's good. Like Schwartzman does like this. i had forgotten that Schwartzman was cast in this, and I spent the whole movie trying to figure out who the fuck that is, and it never once. I could I could immediately tell because
0: I was like, "That's Gideon
1: Motherfucking Graves." i still I know who it. that is. What is that you're referencing? Uh, that's is that uh... Scott Pilgrim versus the World? Okay, yeah, I've seen that one time, and it was not recently. I gotta watch that again. Get my Edgar. Wright oh, you gotta get back, back on it, I dude. Get... I love that movie. There's a new adaptation of that coming eventually, right? I, I think. There is, yeah, they're doing an anime, anime, animated diversion. I believe our friend of the show called its existence once, so there's that. Good old, good old Phoenix. Spot enters Alchemex as Pav asks Miles if he, or if, if asks Miles, god damn Alex, tripping over your words. Pav asks if Miles knows about Hobie, alluding once again to that weird relationship tension that Pav is obsessed with. Uh, Spot activates the super collider as the trio bash against a shield outside that uh, is preventing them from getting inside. Miles thinks he can use his Venom Strike electricity sapping ability he's been honing on it. Until Hobie Brown shows up and gets through it with his fucking guitar. Stand up, salute the fucking flag. It's time for the greatest character in film
0: history, Hobie fucking Brown. Here he is.
1: Stand up! Is. Salute! Here he is. Hobie there the God. He He's here. I uh, I'm a fan of the character. I, I I'd be amiss if I didn't mention originally in the original run of the comics, Hobie Brown was the Prowler, which is always a fun little connection there. But as of about 20, I want to say 2014. That sounds right. They've reinvented him as a, a Spider-Man of the UK. Not quite a Spider-UK. I think his comic name is just Spider-Man, but it's just easier to call him Spider-Punk to point out which one he is. Uh, slightly different than his comic variation or the suit you might be familiar with from the PS4 game, but awesome. Love this character. Love the take on him, just awesome. As as with most situations, uh,
0: the, the, the Spider-Verse movie took a, a character, an idea that was kind of cool and made them
1: very cool. Yes, um, like my when we left the theater, I was, you know, reeling from everything I had just seen. I think every other thing my partner talked out, about on the way home had to do with Hobie Brown. Just borderline fucking
0: kicks ass. Awesome.
1: Up, they They have already they're already really wanting the Marvel Legends figure, but they're disappointed that it doesn't have his unmasked head. And they're like, I wonder if anybody's going to 3D model one. Just like wait for the SH figure arts, you'll be you'll be fine. Yeah, I
0: was about to say, wait for the real real connoisseurs understand that you got to you got to reach for the vintage. You got to reach for the SH figure arts. They don't even have wall crawling hands for Marvel Legends. It's embarrassing. It's what are they doing over there at Hasbro? It's 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 such a sadness. Brushing dust off my Scarlet Spider figure and going, it's okay, it's okay. if you're going to do one thing, if you're going to buy an action figure, this is the one lesson you need to take away from this podcast. You buy SH Figuarts. Mm-hmm. That's enjoyed. what you do. You don't buy Marvel Legends. You can, uh, uh, you can buy MathX. MathX are good. You buy SH Figuarts. Uh, if you're really willing to shell out the big bucks, you buy a Hot Toys. Mm-hmm. That's the good stuff. Please sponsor us. I, if Hot Toys gave me money, I would... I, I mean, I already have a Hot Toys Mysterio. Please, give me money, Hot Toys. Send the man a Spider-Man while you're at it. Sure, give me... Uh,
1: they're they're making across the Spider-Verse figures. I, I know they're making a Miles one. Well, here we have Hobie, uh, our English variant with a fuck-you British punk oi attitude and the dulcet voice of Daniel Kaluuya. Just impeccable casting. Love him. Amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of his recent performance in Nope, where he plays a character who is the son of a character played by Keith David, he spends the whole duration of that movie speaking in a voice that if you close your eyes, like, you can, it, it's, it's not like he's aping fucking Keith David's voice, but, like, you buy him uh-huh. as that guy's son. Like, you your eyes realize like, that's him. Daniel Kaluuya is great. I don't, there, is there, I don't, there's, I haven't seen him in a single bad movie. He's great no for sure but, but what i mean to say here is like out of nowhere i've really appreciating his voice acting for this oh, yeah. and for especially as like what just what he does to his voice he's not just saying words as him he's saying words as keith david's son i love it love it love it shout out keith david uh spot delights in how he won't just be a joke anymore before entering the stream and vanishing again before an explosion gives us a sweet little black and white vision i was witnessing his father's impending death at the hands of the spot has grown uh, into this, aim, not quite amorphous, but just shifting, eldritch tendril consistency being now black with white spots instead of white with black he's, spots. Dude, he's, he's Dark Spot. He intends to take everything
0: for Miles. Oh, and there's one more thing about Hobie I wanted to say. Uh, uh, we're going to say a lot of things about Hobie. Um, I think I read somewhere that the animators said that it took them like multiple years to get Hobie right. Uh, having him both look like, you know, a poster over like paper mache, uh, almost like newsprint type guy, but also where he's like slightly desaturated because like the printer ran out of toner. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I believe him. I believe in that it took
1: him multiple years to figure out how to do this. People really think this next one is still coming out in March.
0: Oh, yeah. And they're like, we're going to go to Hobie's universe in the next movie. And I'm like, that's going to take seven years. It's going like to be like, boyhood. it's going to be like, it's going to be the new boyhood. It took 13 years to make this movie.
1: And that's if the writer's strike ends like tomorrow. Who knows? So, oh, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's June of 2023. There's a fun little writer. Yeah, there's, there's a writer's strike still going on. Shout out to them because i i listened to our previous episodes a few of them before this it's always fun to see the time capsule of where we recorded this um so back to the film the spiders escape the collapsing Alchemex, uh but the colliders process caused the building's outcrop to fall so now there's just this giant piece of steel and concrete and glass falling to the the lower levels of mumbatan uh descending rapidly and Hobie secure the building while Miles and Pav work the crowd, trying to save people. And then they Another reunite. awesome action scene. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's a lot more than just what I'm describing. It's, it's all very fluid motion, lots of great Spider-Man action. It's exactly what it sounds like. They reunite all together below on a bridge, where Pav sees his girlfriend in a bus about to go over the edge, which he catches with a web. Uh, uh, Layla warns Gwen of an upcoming canon event and to tread carefully. While holding the bus, Pav also sees Singh, his his girlfriend's father, I almost said his godfather's girlfriend, (laughs) saving a child, but about to be crushed by rubble. Cannot save her and him. He just can't do both. Seeing this, Miles tries to swoop in, but Gwen tries to make him stop. Uh, Miles swings down and, disregarding this, saves Singh and the child, disrupting this canon event. Pav thanks Miles, who nods back. Hobie also cheers, energized and patting Miles very happy, uh, embracing him as the hero. Suddenly, buildings begin glitching and sinking in black pools where uh, they should not be. Jess and some of the other Spider-People arrive, including, for some reason, last stand Spider-Man, who should be very dead, I think, but whatever. Uh protocols are being enacted to combat the city's glitchy weirdness and just says that all the spiders are due back at headquarters including Miles kind of wrapping up our time on this world for now
0: not only that when when the the people in the little spider bot show up to like contain the anomaly there's one spider person that has a fucking huge ass yeah i, I noticed just, that
1: too a giant a giant dumper it's insane. I mean, anything is possible in the multiverse. But yeah, that's it. Was it's so weird to me? Like, you got to pick all the suits you can, right? To just stick in here and be like, oh, that's that one. Isn't Last Stand's whole thing that he dies in a cop shootout?
0: Yeah, Last Stand. Last Stand's actually a really good story. It's it's at the tail end of the J. Michael Straczynski run, uh, which we you know we should talk about that maybe on an episode of this podcast. Yeah. That's not a, a one-off bonus episode like this one. Uh but it's it's specifically set up as an alter alternate future timeline for Peter. It's a really good story. I like that suit. Uh so it it's it's fun to see him. But I do I do think it's funny that they go, he's called last
1: stand because Peter dies. I'm glad I could help you guys contain this. I got to go home and commit suicide by cop. I'll see you later. <laughs> they all uh, they all travel back to headquarters on Earth 928 in Nueva York to the Spider Society? Uh, the only way I can accurately begin to describe the Spider Society building is Sid Mead, like it is just—it's yes, just, just think of a big Sid Mead office industrial complex made of forty-five degree angles. It's a, it's awesome. It, it's really great. Well, most like, of
0: yeah, most of most of Nueva York is all it's all Sid Mead type stuff. Like I said, like, where Mumbatton feels almost... I don't know if that's necessarily what they did, uh, was draw from Mobius, but it reminds me of Mobius. Uh, Yeah.
1: Nueva York feels very Sid Mead. Like, that's the first thing my brain went to, is like, I feel like I'm looking at, like, Blade Runner concept art in every single room of this place. Again, gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Insane amounts of spider people populating this building. Not nearly the small, elite uh, exclusive task force that Gwen painted out to be earlier, which Miles exactly. immediately comments on. I can't, I can't
0: wait for this episode to be 90% you running through a list of all the spider people in spider society.
1: If that happens, I'm cutting all of it. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Just the important ones like uh, like oh Ben Riley, who's around the corner. But we'll get to him. Don't worry. It's, I'm talking plot. Hobie uh, notices that Miles knows absolutely nothing about this, uh, which, you know, strikes him as odd. Miles gets a wrist thing. No more glitches. uh, And we'll hear a little more about Miles' wristband in a bit as well. Uh, The only ones I want to note that we did see are Peter Parked Car. I literally don't even have story notes. I just wrote Peter Parked Car and kept going. It's Peter Parked Car. We love him. The Lego one is also there, I think, on his, like, bumper. And this is our first appearance of Ben Riley in the film. Now, listeners, I'm not going to dwell on this for too long, but here's the thing. If they wanted to pick a spider person, even a spider clone, to do all this, oh, I'm so edgy, oh, jokes on, Kane is right fucking there. Literally, the other one, Kane, whose whole character is what they're trying to make Ben's joke like personality as, is right there. I'm a am I know I'm like one of four Scarlet Spider fans on the planet but like you can't understand how happy I was to see him in the promo material and then see this movie and be like oh no oh no I thought he was funny It's you know that's it, it, he was funny I'm not going to sit here and piss my pants and say it wasn't funny they just boiled him down to only being I'm dramatic I'm Spider-Man Ugh. There are, there are, there are some people I know who don't like it, but I think he's funny. <laughs> my, my biggest red flag, I suppose, was when I saw the cast at Andy Samberg. I was like, oh, God, they're going to make him a joke. And then they did. It's fine. Yes. I'll live. It's not ja- like,
0: Jackson, fr- as Benjamin, as friend
1: of the show, Lumber Jackson, did, also did not like Ben. It's not the most egregious, like, mischaracterization, but I do genuinely think, like, Did they just pick him for his suit first and then just forget he had a personality outside of the jokes they wrote for him? I don't know. I think they could have handled that better, but that's me. Anyway, that's not the point of the movie. As we get traversed a little further through the Spider Society halls, we meet other people like Web Slinger, those. But I want to talk about the caged anomalies for a second, the whole point of the Spider Society. They capture these anomalies and the universes they don't belong in and send them home. Uh, Multiple Doc Ocks, a Moose Stereo, a Miss Stereo, uh, some video game villains like the Green Goblin from the Atari 2600 game, and that PS4 Spider Man. Yeah, I, I, I didn't recognize who the blue guy on the left was supposed to be. Uh, not familiar with whatever game that is. Yeah, I don't know that one. But we got uh, PS4 Spider Man in there as well. Typeface, who is a very fun, just one note, one joke villain, tells Spider Man to go to Helvetica. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Rhino, Rhino. And probably the thing that made my crowd lose its mind the most, Donald Glover as a live action prowler.
0: Again, so so jarring. Just have a random live action guy in there. But it is fun to have him in there, since if he was very integral to the creation of miles
1: and the character. Totally kind of a a full circle there. And it's fun to, you know, presume that he's the same because we we got a little seed of this already in Spider-Man Homecoming with uh, him playing Aaron Davis, who has a, a nephew in the city. So, you know, it's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to to imagine that this is our same Prowler from the MCU, but it doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's fun. It's just fun. So, get Spider Bite, an avatar from another dimension who, like, pilots uh, Spider Avatar here through some VR goggles, which is like, okay, fine, why not? Uh, and the Go Home Machine. Terrifying, like, cyborg spider creature that analyzes your DNA and sends you back to your dimension. I, like... I can't tell if it's a thing they made or what, but it seems like it's live, but it's also a robot. I don't know. Who cares?
0: Yeah, it's free. It's it's freaky. Uh, It's a bit unnerving. Speaking of Spider Society, there is one, especially later on when we get to the the big chase scene. I read someone uh, talking about Spider Society who was like, there's no way an organization made up of mostly Peter Parker's would agree to this shit.
1: And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But yeah, yeah, movies got to happen. The movie has to happen. Overseeing all of this is Miguel O'Hara, watching on some monitors and uh, taking an injection of green goo. I imagine this is something that, uh, again, not the biggest twenty ninety nine guy. It's something to like keep his vampirism in check. I imagine.
0: Uh, so the whole thing with Miguel is that he did not get his powers from a spider bite, and the same thing with. Uh, I think this is my this is my epic theory. Uh, the the strike team what we'll see at the end of the movie, which is Ben Riley and Jessica Drew and Miguel, all three of them did not get their powers from a spider bite. Uh, Jess got Jess got some weird shit that has something to do with the high evolutionary. Like I said, when I think about Jessica Drew, my head hurts. Um, ben obviously is a clone of Spider Man, so he got that innately with it was innately born with them. Uh, and Miguel's whole thing is that 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 serum he's injecting is a serum. Uh, that's based on Spider-Man's DNA uh, that he invented in 2099 because he was an employee of Alchemax and it was a whole thing, but it fucked him up and now he's like a weird vampire guy. Uh, so he's just re-upping his juice so he can keep his Spider-Man powers, essentially. There go. Uh, so that, that's the whole story. And I think i think it's going to be interesting, of especially with how Miguel views uh, Miles. Uh, it, part of that might be a, a sense of jealousy in that You know, not only him and yeah, him and Jess and uh, Ben are all sort of they're they're not quite they're They're more anomalies than Miles is since he actually got his power from a
1: spider bite. Well, there you go. I hope that bears some fruit. It's interesting. Miguel has a little bit of uh, dialogue about how he's not like the others. He doesn't always like what he has to do. He's given up too much to stop now, like very quick, like the stakes for him. Uh, Hobie, meanwhile, is breaking parts off of stuff and just keeping them in his pockets for some reason. American hero. God bless him. When Miles inquires why Hobie's even here, he says, for a watch, which I thought was one of his funniest lines in the movie, like just straight honesty with him. Uh, and he tells him to make his own, which, you know, maybe that'll pay off later. They talk about how, uh, you know, home life is for all of them, but they stop, and they see footage of Miguel with his kid. Obi warns Miles not to enlist when you don't know who you're fighting, which, again, great, very poignant line. Miguel descends on his little platform very slowly to Miles, uh, which Miles, trying immediately to greet him in conversational Spanish, calls him Tio at first, which is, like, the most try-hard thing I think he could have done, but it's, like, poor kid, you know? oh he's way out of his element. Uh... Miguel admonishes Miles before Peter B. Parker shows back up to defend him. Uh, He, Hobie calls Peter B. "Humbling reality, Spider-Man," which I made a special note of. That's really great. Uh, And the 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 best part about Peter B. Number one, he's got Mayday. He's got a kid. Yes.
0: Uh, And number two, he's got uh, shout out to him for having more character growth and development than the past 20 years of like actual Spider-Man comics. like don't allow him to like grow
1: up or have a family. And it's crazy that it's that good because I was so vehemently not into the idea of Peter B being back in this movie because that in the trailer, I think he's the only one of the other spider people. Pardon me, besides Gwen shows up again. And I understand oh, yeah. because she's so, you know, seems to be so intertwined with where they're wanting Miles' story to go. It made no sense for me for Peter B. to come back. I felt like his arc was resolved. We didn't need to see anymore. Just let him be happy. Having fixed his life, let it go. So to find out that he's not even in the movie till over the halfway point, and the only reason he's in it is to like, talk Miles down a bit the same way Miles talked him down, I was so more than fine with that. And we'll see later.
0: It's It's part of the idea that of of Miles' impact on Peter B As a character And the idea That as Again My epic theory uh, Is that um, You know I don't I think Miguel Like doesn't really know What the fuck is going on uh, Because You know Wouldn't Mayday Be a, a, an, an anomaly Because she only exists Because Peter met Miles mm-hmm. It's a whole thing Like that doesn't make any sense He's so mad. So I think I think a lot of I think I can't. So I feel like so much of the third
1: movie is just going to be just half of the shit that Miguel says here is just completely wrong. I had my own personal ideas about where the third movie was going that were debunked by my second watch of this movie. But we'll get to that. Uh, Peter, it's funny you mentioned now that I know a little more about Miguel's origin. Peter at one point says Miguel has no bite, which is a little ironic considering he was not bitten uh yeah peter brought his daughter mayday with a dimensional day pass which it turns out is what miles is also wearing there's a serious serious disparity in the personalities of peter b and miguel miguel is all business very brooding and foreboding and peter b is you've got a whole movie of how peter b is uh miguel explains the idea of a canon event singh was supposed to die uh, there are certain things in a, in a Spider-Man's life that are supposed to happen that shape him and make him who he is. It's very similar to the idea of Ka from uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower, that no matter what timeline, no matter what spin of the wheel you're on in this, in this go of it, or the next or the 19th, that certain things have to happen. It's not the most original concept or idea in the world, but given that that is kind of the bridge that every Spider-Person shares and, and every telling, it kind of makes sense for them to try to make some sense of it. That, that, that web of life and death concept from the comics, uh, this is their attempt to make sense of it and also balance it yeah. with like Loki and those sort of other attempts to balance it. It's not, it's not the most clumsy thing.
0: I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the program, uh, but I hate the idea of the web of life and destiny and like Ezekiel and the spider totem shit. I think that's all really stupid. Uh, But they, they certainly, I think they did as best as they could of trying to make uh, the web of life and destiny work, especially because like I said, I think half the shit Miguel says in this movie is completely wrong.
1: Uh, And it also makes me laugh when I see live action, Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah. And we're not even nearly... We're, we're almost there, but, like, before that even happens, Miguel says, you know, there's some good things that always happen, and if you look closely in that that little hallway, you can clearly see Toby kissing MJ upside down, uh, yep. and he says some not-so-good things. And there's, like, six or seven different Venom origins, some of them on Eddie Brock, uh-huh. some of them on Peter, but it's very clearly spent, meant to just be, like, sometimes the symbiote happens, which, to me, you know... Again, doesn't have to happen to every Spider-Man, but it seems like it's a pretty key part for most Spider-Man stories. I'm hoping that keeps the door open for some symbiote stuff in the MCU, but I want it to be good. But we'll get there. Uh, Oh, yeah. We're shown a a, a seemingly unending line of dead uh, father and uncle figures before Spider-Man. We see um, Peter B. Parker with an Uncle Ben at his feet, Malala, Spider-UK, with someone at her feet, Miles... uh, Right up to there, you know, like the idea that he's going to, yep. you know, that he lost Aaron. It's all there. And we're referenced ASM 90, the death of George Stacy and the mainline Spider-Man comics were shown. Comic Peter, you know, saving the kid from the rubble that kills George. And then we get, guys... I didn't realize that this was specifically what this was till my second watch. I was actually a little drunk when I watched it and immediately sent Lex a voice message. I was so flabbergasted. I realized what we were supposed to be seeing was spectacular Spider-Man, but he's cradling his George Stacy in his arms as he dies. So all that character shit from those seasons of spectacular Spider-Man with that George nose and he's using it to help Peter, that, that whole like back-and-forth partnership they had... Even though the show got canceled, we have a canon continuation of it that shows that, yes, that George Stacy dies the way he presumably he does in the comics. Like, hands were fucking at my head, dude. Like, oh, my God. That is. I couldn't do anything but immediately contact Lex and go, dude. I... And I think
0: I think the most interesting thing about uh, the stuff with, with Captain Stacy is that they mentioned that it's. It's always a it's always a battle with uh, their arch nemesis. And in the original comic book, it's uh, a fight with Doc Ock where that rubble falls on him. So immediately they've already established, at least uh, in like Miguel's view, that Spot is indeed Miles's arch enemy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it all just holds hands so well. They're like, there's not a misfire in any of this like setup that when you watch it a second time, realize it was all there in front of your face. It's, it's so it's good. Uh, from that brief little reprise of spectacular, it's not our last moment with spectacular. So at least there's that we do get that aforementioned Andrew Garfield clip. We do see him cradling the corpse of Dennis Leary. Oh, Dennis Leary. It is what it is. People lost their shit in my theater for that. Uh, and like, okay, I was, it's, it's Andrew Garfield. Don't get it too just, excited. It just makes People me laugh. It's funny. I like I like seeing them. We see the same uh, dead dead Captain Stacy's for Peter B. Jess Hobie, uh, just tons and tons of more stuff. Yep. Uh, one thing I want to mention: uh, there's a great little shot where they show some comic panels above the three spider people. There we see. Spider Man, no more moment for Hobie, where he's walking away from a trash can with his costume in it. Rest in peace for Senior, by the way. Got out. I can't believe I
0: can't believe we didn't even mention that. I'm going to go on a complete side tangent. Uh, John Romita Senior died a couple days before we recorded this. Uh, what a fucking legend! Absolutely. It's essentially, I've I wrote a little thing on Twitter, but uh, he's essentially like the definitive Spider Man artist, in my opinion. He just oh, yeah. took what Ditko had done and just ran off with it and really put his own stamp on the character in a way that I don't think any really other, other artist really ever could. Uh,
1: what a legend. There's no denying that while he didn't invent the look of Spider-Man, he definitely honed it to the oh, point. Oh, definitely, of like the definitely. that People think of when they think of him today. and especially
0: so. like because I've, I've talked about the art books uh, for the MCU Spider-Man movies, they especially specifically Took great pains to m- try and make that suit look closer to the Ramita design than you know anything else, and yeah. I think that's you oh, know me, I'm a,
1: a big Bagley boy, but there would be nothing that's in that vein that wasn't for Ramita. That,
0: that's a that's a real testament to to what an impact he had.
1: Anyway, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. Totally, we get a great little Hobie Spider Man no more. Uh, we we clearly see Jeff Drew doing a little if this be my destiny, master planner. Uh, water lift thing, and over Peter B, we get a great little shot of the comic marriage of Peter and MJ. I, try, so, I tried you know, to figure that's...
0: out what Gwen
1: was looking at, but I couldn't quite tell. It's kind yeah, of cut off. My, I can't my, see. It's it's too off screen on on my rip that I saw. Maybe it'll be more visible in a home media viewing. So Maybe. who knows? Uh, breaking a canon event like these can be dangerous, and it could lead to anomalies. Because Miles saved Captain Singh, Pav's world is now unraveling. They may or may not be able to stop it with the team they've dispatched, but it's honestly not made clear even by the end of the movie if Pav's dimension is legitimately in, like, danger danger. But presumably with the spa getting more powerful, it's not a a good diagnosis. When Miles asks Miguel how he knows all of this, Miguel says that he broke canon, found a world where he had a happy family. At worlds, Miguel had been killed, so this Miguel replaced him thought it was harmless but he was wrong I also shown a recording of Miguel's world disrupting and collapsing around him that culminates with his daughter fading from his arms uh, if that happens enough times all will be lost and the entire web is in risk of collapsing
0: I, li- I like that I like the idea that uh, Miguel stole someone else's life and then uh, he now he has to make a pro- this a problem for everybody
1: I, I, was a like, I fucked up
0: now this is everyone's problem <laughs>
1: All of this leads Miles to realize his father is about to be promoted to police captain. Paired with what Lex just said about the idea of the arch nemesis being responsible, this triggers memories of that spot vision he suffered, uh, and the threats that accompany it. Miles wants to know when this fate of the event is supposed to happen. Miguel tells him in two days when his father is sworn in. So miles has to go home immediately <laughs> the,
0: the, the incredibly loud paper flip over <laughs> oh,
1: let me yeah my notes here sorry i wrote this shit down i did not have the mental fortitude to write this on a word document this time miles wants to go home uh but miguel refuses to send him Miles immediately begins appealing to peter b uh asking about you know what if we had the chance to do the same for uncle ben if you could would you save him then But Peter uses that old logic muscle and says that if it wasn't for that exact reason, none of them would be who they are today, who who all of them, including him, are. It quite literally boils down to it being a choice of saving one person or saving every world, which Miles absolutely still says he can do both. Slowly, uh, in a great little, like, It's very subtle at first, but all the spider people start surrounding Miles in an attempt to corner him. It's not really apparent that's what they're doing at first, but it quickly becomes apparent. Like, they're not giving him an angle to get out of. They're Uh, trying to jump him. Miguel says that he ultimately did more damage than he helped. Penny, Penny Parker appears and her new mech, which is much uh, closer to how it looks in the comic. Still not quite, like, full Evangelion scale, but, but... a lot closer in looks, and she's also visibly aged a bit. A lot of people like to say that she had to have gone through third impact, spider, Evan. <laughs> we gotta
0: get we gotta get Gerard Way on the horn. He'll tell us. Oh yeah, please get on the show, Gerard Way. Please come get ready for our new season where we'll have special guests uh, Ryan Johnson and James Gunn and uh, Gerard Way.
1: I know it's it's you know we've we've turned over a new leaf here. Oh yeah. Spectacular also shows back up, uh, saying he knows it's hard, but it's the truth. Now, a lot of people, myself included, had some immediately red flags here about, like, it's kind of weird that Spectacular Spider-Man, whose literal entire arc and point is that he'll never sit by and let this happen again, is actively sitting by and letting this happen again. But uh, give me till my trivia, and I have a theory about that. I Anything to keep talking about Spectacular Spider-Man. Um... Peter B. attempts one more time to talk Miles down, but it just is not working. Obi recognizes this and begins encouraging Miles' emotional, like, reaction. Obi, the only
0: real one in the whole movie. He's the true real one.
1: Miles claims that he can't be asked to let his father just die, and Miguel says he is not asking, and then places him in one of those hologram anomaly prisons. Uh, The other spider people, a few of them, protest this with Hobie silently at first, but then talking to him, guiding Miles into channeling his venom strike via his palms, not his fingertips, to overload the uh, hologram cell, which Miles does. He pulls it off, and with all the other spider people pursuing them, Hobie takes this opportunity to fully fuck off from the squad, uh, just, just quitting on the spot and backing up through a portal
0: filed his two weeks notice and he doesn't give a shit anymore
1: (laughs) uh re your treatment of miles fuck you a building-wide uh apb is put out on spider-man which gives us our our movie obligated pointing gag you 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 we gotta we gotta have it every movie uh, Miles Spider-Man, who is chilling on the back of uh, I'm sure he's from the comics or somewhere, but I'm not familiar with this. form he, he
0: almost looks like uh, and he almost he reminds me of Rider Man from uh, the old Common Rider, like uh, Kamen Rider V3 specifically. Uh, but he's got like Doc Ock arms. It also yeah. kind of has vaguely. I'm sure I think I've seen the design from somewhere else, but it also kind of vaguely reminds me of like Aaron Aikman, who's uh, another uh, mm-hmm. fun Spider-Man design.
1: Yeah, like a big goofy Ant Man kind of helmet or something. Yeah. He, this is, anyway, this is a big giant f- fun chase scene. Yeah. Uh, Miles is on the back of this guy, invisible. Well, not invisible, just on him. Should have gone invisible, but maybe not. Uh, he flees the HQ, leading an army of spider people to try to subdue him. Uh, just want to point out Spider-Cat and the Spider-T-Rex, those are big crowd-pleasers, people got a lot of laughs. Web-Slinger, who's another, yeah. another favorite, We'll obviously Web-Slinger. The Bombastic Bagman, of course, makes an appearance, which is hilarious, get- because that was, like, a one-time thing he did, but, like, that's just so iconic now that he's his own thing.
0: Yeah, we have uh, like eight
1: frames of spinneret. Shout out uh, Renew Your Vows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Sun Spider, who was a fan-created uh, character at the, you know, Spider-Sona boom that the last movie produced, who has since appeared in comics and now here on the big screen. Uh, a fun little shooting range chase uh, where we get a quick hello, Peter, from the Doc Ock thing. So I guess Melina got a check for this movie. Uh, another quick Watch that money another quick appearance from 60's spider-man also voiced once again by Jorma uh, Lonely Island. Miguel now has the lead on Miles uh, chasing him out of the building and uh, onto the back of like a Blade Runner style spinner car. Yeah, there's there's a bit where Miles jumps out of the building. Uh, well, a couple things. Number one,
0: there's the bit where uh, there's the, the the one spider person trying to hold together these two giant uh, metal towers that's ripped right from Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh and the other one where uh, he, Miles jumps out of the building, uh, crashes through the window after one of the spider people uh, says that there's nowhere to run. And I was like, who is that? I, the, that, the, that, that? That bit is framed like I'm supposed to recognize who that is. And I didn't get it the first time. And the second viewing, I was like, is that fucking Metro Boomin? And it yeah. was. It was uh, Metro Boomin as a spider person. I'm like, oh, and, uh, <laughs> I was
1: like, fuck, yeah. Ahead of time, I had seen that. See, I, I, I don't know much of and So I couldn't tell the man by his voice. But the the official Twitter account had posted his Spider-Sona already and said, yeah, this is him. So I, I mean, recognized by that in the movie. I need, I
0: need like Pierre Bourne to have a, a Spider-Sona. I need Kenny Beats uh, <laughs> to get Mad, a Mad Lib Spider-Sona. That'd be Just funny. All of them. Get him on board. Get, get, um, as, get
1: as many hip-hop producers as possible. The chase then goes from uh, that you know, high angle. Now they're in like an underground part of Nueva York uh, where Peter B. Parker is able to isolate Miles and they have a little conversation for just a bit aside from all the craziness. Yeah. In, a, uh, in a giant gear room like they're in fucking Charlie Chaplin modern times. <laughs> Peter says that this is just how it works and that Miles should uh, hold his baby because uh, Peter had Mayday because of Miles. Maybe she could turn out like Miles. Miles asks Peter, if you love me so much, why didn't you come see me? Peter is cagey about, you know, he says he couldn't despite Miles' loneliness. He says that good things happen too, like Mayday and like how Miles happened to him. Before they can even like begin to further reconcile, Peter's location is given away against his will and the other spiders begin to converge on them. Miles fights his way lower and lower, now on uh, the Cyber City streets, outpacing Jessica. Uh, He leads Miguel and the others up on a train bound for the moon, which got a big laugh out of my theater. Just the voice going, now heading to the moon. It was just really, I don't know, deadpan amongst all of this. Yeah. Miguel manages to sever Miles' wristband, causing some intermittent glitching throughout the rest of this fight. Uh, Miles is being chased up this train, which is now traveling straight up at like a 90 degree angle towards the moon, of course. Uh, So all the other spiders are just going to go up the train as well. Very, you know, straightforward. Miguel begins clawing his way up the train, just furious, uh, asking Miles who he thinks he is. There's a great score swell. Uh, (laughs) Miles says a very quippy little, you know, I'm Miles, you know the rest. Uh, At one point, he refers to Miles as the original anomaly and that the spider that bit Miles wasn't even meant for him, but was meant for somebody in Dimension 42, uh, who is now just a guy? If Miles hadn't been bit, his Peter would have lived, the Chris Pine Peter, instead of dying, saving him. No collider means no spot. Miguel is, like I said, just furious with him and is being way too harsh, way too rough with Miles, despite Gwen and Peter B protesting, leading Miles to realize they knew the entire time about his anomaly status.
0: Especially because, you know, it, it's not even Miles' fault that he got bit, it's, yeah, exactly. it just happened. If if anything,
1: you need to be, I don't know, blaming Doc Ock or Spot. Precisely. That's the best logic of all. You know, the Spot is directly responsible for all of this. Or Kingpin. Ah, A million people to blame before Miles. But yes, uh, it's revealed. Gwen and Peter B. knew this about Miles the entire time and never visited for his own good. But who gets to decide what's Miles' own good? Miles then reveals that he lured them all away on purpose... For sapping and shorting out Miles' suit with his Venom touch. His Venom strike.
0: I should have been butt naked underneath that thing.
1: Absolutely. Little, like, cyber heart boxers. I should have seen his his cheeks. Rated R for two seconds of animated dong. Yeah. He gives Gwen one final regard and goodbye before throwing himself to the wind. I'm gonna kill myself. Fucking baller. I wonder if they just stayed on that train and went to the moon, or if they all jumped off too. Uh, but doesn't matter. Miles makes it back to HQ, turning invisible, and sneaking past Spider-Byte to initialize the go-home machine. It begins to scan him and knit a little prism hologram thing around him, identifying his uh, DNA and the universe it belongs in. Layla, or sorry, Lila and Byte try to figure out what is going on, before Byte realizes that it's Miles inside. Miguel crashes in, because that's the only way he knows how to enter, bashing away at the prism hologram while Gwen and Peter just watch in horror. I've seen this great little juxtaposition where there's that first clip of Peter saying, he has no bite, and then that clip of Miguel bashing away at it, and just the look on Peter's face as he turns and looks at Gwen, like, completely wrong about the guy. Like, absolutely and completely wrong about him.
0: Maybe this insane person, we shouldn't have trusted him
1: me being me i have to wonder if it's a neon genesis evangelion reference the way miguel like claws the field apart is a lot like the way unit one opens the at field in the first episode i don't don't need i don't need to
0: think about anime when i watch my spider-man movie
1: yeah we already have enough i should not Uh, have to think about anime i really like how he just rips into the field um But before he's able to get in fully, Byte pulls the trigger and sends Miles back to Earth-42. Miguel uh, turns to face the rest of the spiders, furious, calling Gwen a liability for letting Miles get away. No one defends her. He puts her in the go-home machine, Gwen retorting that they're supposed to be the good guys before being sent back to her proper home. Seething, Miguel says that they are the good guys. Not, Seething. <laughs> not fully confident at all. Molding. He summons Jess and Ben to a company name as a task force and assigns someone else to get spot. I don't even think he says anything specific. He just says, someone else gets spot. Miles is portaled to a rooftop, panting, as is Gwen. Miguel, Jess, and Ben also arrive back in 1610 to go scope everything out. Peter B arrives home to his MJ who chastises him for bringing a baby to a spider uh, event Uh, and I, I really love their back and forth there as more people than me have said MJ is more MJ in this movie than she has been in probably anything
0: yeah you know I've said it before no for some reason no one knows how to write Mary Jane Watson I don't know why I don't know what the problem is uh, just doesn't I, I, have
1: nothing to do for her to work like this movie. I,
0: I recently played uh, the, the the PS4 game I played on the PC. Uh, I played that again, and I don't really like how MJ is written in that game either. Uh, nobody nobody knows how to write her for some reason. What What's going on?
1: I'm hoping maybe, you know, if, if for any reason, well, no, we're going to get more Peter B in the next movie, I would think. So I would think maybe we'll get more MJ stuff and hopefully they can go for, three for three here and not grossly assassinate her character like previous attempts have yeah i don't i don't, I don't know what's what's going on over there what's happening well, besides that gwen and miles make for their respective homes Anna finds her dad asleep inside and goes to recover her pick of her and miles when she tries to leave her apartment her dad appears before she can leave he kind of coaxes her into talking he calls him a good cop but he reveals that he quit the force in Gwen's absence. She did this to live up to his example, but or rather, uh, he did this to like live up to the example that he wanted to set for her, but now he won't be able to be police captain, and things could be potentially getting unstable in her universe. Like the look of horror almost on Gwen's face when she realizes her dad's not gonna be captain, I'm pretty sure they're alluding that there's gonna be some instability there now that's fucked with. Or maybe,
0: she, or maybe she realizes that Miguel is bullshitting.
1: Who knows, folks? It could be. We, we really won't know till then. I like your theory, but I, I love the idea that this shit isn't as set in stone as he says it is, but I, there's really only one way to find out. Gwen embraces her dad again, and he tells her that he doesn't know what she has to do, but this might help, uh, which is when he reveals that Hobie came by and dropped off his Hobie's gun, uh, more like Hobie's wristwatch, watch made of cobbled together sci-fi parts uh project Uh, on the on the readout hobie's hobie's mvp
0: caliber season capped off with some diy watchmaking what a hero Uh, and there's there's a bit if you rewind it back to when uh gwen and her dad are having that art that argument and there's just again the visual stuff with that when everything just goes white after they hug oh my god folks oh my god it's it incredible.
1: looks so good that's why it's, that's why it's the art for this episode because it looks so good yeah uh lex very rarely misses with the episode art and i was wondering throughout this whole movie what what it's, it's never, never been games. before
0: it's never happened
1: yeah I'll, I'll give you that one too uh i i I was wondering the whole movie like what what is this art gonna be and like I that wouldn't have been in my first three scenes I would have named for you to pick but I'm really glad it's the one you picked it's um this is for all intents and purposes this is Gwen's movie and i'm I'm just God. really happy with what they were able to pull off with her arc especially coming from someone myself who fucking hates his dad'm I'm, I'm so happy to see good dads in cinema uh, besides officer Alex Murphy, this is one of the few cop. Cop dads out there—that is also Val.
0: And he's not even a cop anymore, folks. The
1: power oh. of love defeats the police. We love to see it. Maybe he'll be working at, like TGI Spidey's in the next episode or next movie. Worse than a hot dog stand. So Gwen heads out, presumably to go help Miles in his home dimension. Miles swings home, ruminating on Miguel calling him a mistake. This is our our, our sort of like the build up to What's Up, Danger in the last movie. This is Miles oh yeah, heading home and ruminating all the voiceovers. There is one shot where uh, Miles is swinging and you can see he's like really small.
0: And in the background, there's this big you know, side of a building and you see uh, Aaron's face sort of superimposed over it. That's almost what I use for the art. Oh, yeah. Uh, I considered using that. But it's it, that whole scene where the, the whole city is just like collapsing in on itself, essentially, as like he's trying to is trying to.
1: It sort of reflecting the state of his mind. That's great. He I races home, especially like he thinks he's heading home to like start solving all of this. Um, there's a, you know, like I said, the voiceover, there's Miguel calling him a mistake, the threats that Spot made against his dad. And for some reason, again, John Mulaney getting a check cut. We just get Spider-Ham's words about not being able to save everyone. Yeah, You get that check, King. Miles briefly gets hit by a car, but it's no no big deal. Uh, ben Riley is watching Miles' room with Jess tailing Jeff on her motorcycle. Uh, we get some more Ben Riley angst and muscle jokes, which I'm, I'm willing to grimace through. It's fine. Gwen sends Ben back through the portal that uh, she came in, going Miles' house. Miles enters his home, and Rio finds him in his childhood bedroom, asking about his hair. <laughs> we took his braids out asks if everyone is okay, frantically. Uh, just He's very clearly not okay. says she's right. He saw amazing places and people, but they didn't want him. He beat them all, and he now knows how strong he is because of his mom and because of his dad. Uh, but this whole time, she's just raising her eyebrows at him, just completely not understanding what he's talking about. Miles chooses in that moment to reveal his identity as spider-man to his mother and the way the camera is portrayed it you know makes it look like gwen is outside listening to all of this rio has no idea what miles is talking about the no no clue who spider-man is what's going on uh and another fun little detail here is that her eyes are the wrong color they're either supposed to be bright and in her home universe they're either brown or green and they're the wrong color in 42 what? Uh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't notice it either, but if my trivia is. That's good, crazy. I'll, leave, uh, I'll go also, And you I'll know, Miles, Miles, the, it also, you know, the jacket that Miles is wearing is uh, green and purple instead sort of green <laughs> and red. Oh, boy, do I have something to say about that. Uh, Rio has no idea what Miles is talking about, and a car pulls up outside. Gwen enters Miles' room in 1610 to find it completely empty. No Miles. Despite the fact that Miles should be in it talking to Rio. Rio and Miles continue talking, referencing his father again, confusing Rio before Miles glitches, realizing he's in the wrong universe. The spider that oh. the spider that bit him, being from Universe 42, is the DNA that the no that the I almost called it the go way home machine that the go home machine <laughs> sends you back to. He was sent to the world that his spider came from, trapped there with no way to get out. Turning around. His alive Uncle Aaron enters, <laughs> he reaches out oh! Reaches out for a greeting, and Miles is completely fucking rattled, just running up to him for a hug. Aaron asks him if he took his braids out as well, and the two depart, with Aaron talking about a score the two of them are supposed to pull tonight. On the roof, Miles realizes that he's in a world with no Spider-Man, and no Jeff Morales either, seeing the mural on the wall where the Uncle Aaron mural should be husband hero father then something knocks miles out cold When confronts rio and jeff at the at the same time saying that it's not their fault but hers she doesn't know where miles is but she'll find him which i mean as miles parents they should be like oh my good god hey how the fuck did you get here we're you know they, they talk it out it's a movie whatever my dad's a cop but she she, she yeah. essentially points out miles isn't here he's not okay You kind of know me, I'm going to go find him and make this right. She lastly tells them that because of Miles, she realized that it's all possible, and that Miles loves his parents more than anything. Outside, she opens a portal on the roof and sets out under Jessica's gaze. Miles awakens on Earth-42, chained to his Uncle Aaron's punching bag. Miles tries to explain what's going on, and uh, has a conversation briefly with Aaron about how, in his world, Aaron's the Prowler, but Aaron could be a good guy if he wanted to. Me, personally, I think that's a big part of where the third movie is going to go. I think they're going to pull some stuff where like, Aaron chooses to be good in this timeline. He still might you know, sacrifice himself or something, but I think that was kind of a Chekhov's gun. He's got the Prowler gauntlet on, and he says, me, a good guy? I, I totally think that's where it's going. Anyway, Miles tries to explain... Before being turned around and Aaron dropping the needle on the LP to kind of cover up the sound of presumably what's gonna happen here. Miles explains his origins, how his uncle Aaron died, all the while Aaron just trying on the prowler glove while Miles is squirming. Miles says he doesn't he knows that Aaron doesn't want to be the prowler, causing Aaron to punch the bag. And I really love that shot, like the explosion coming out the other side oh, yeah. of the bag. When it settles, Aaron says he's not. Miles is now face-to-face with the Prowler of Earth-42, Miles Morales. Oh my god. Evil Miles asks after his still-living father before unmasking, saying, You can call me the Prowler. As Jefferson and Rio look at the skyline on Earth-1610, Spot ascends fully powered and ready. A-Day points outside, in her dimension. Gwen has arrived at Peter B. Parker's. They snag Pav, Hobie, Spiderbite, Spiderham, Spider Ham, Noir, and Penny Parker to aid each other. Isles is channeling his venom strike power into the chains on the on the punching bag before we get hit with that big nasty 2B continued that must have really rattled all the people in the audience that forgot this was supposed to be a part one of two. You just got Dune part one. I actively remember thinking to myself, as this is all ramping up, I'm like We've been here two hours. Where the fuck is this going next? Uh, yeah, then I remembered, oh shit, yeah, this was across part one before part two became Beyond. Yeah, and
0: then Zadella the shows up and goes, this is only the beginning, and then it pans up and the movie's over.
1: So, yeah, I like I said, I I, I think the next movie is going to have that thread of like, you know, this alive Aaron, this, that and the other. And um, I have more theories about where it's going, but we can talk about that during, you know, the appropriate trivia or what.
0: And speaking of trivia, uh,
1: Alex, do you want to shoot off some of those? Sure. I might, now, it's kind of split up into two separate pieces of trivia, with this being, like, a, a new thing. There's stuff I noticed... It's going to take st- three hours to get through. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to be very quick. It's quicker than you can imagine. I, I trimmed this down to, like, just the stuff that actually is interesting, because you can imagine how much fucking trivia there is out uh, in articles. Oh, yeah, like I'm sure. All the clickbait nonsense. Yeah, I have a brief list of stuff I noticed, and then uh, I, I'll call it just as brief list of stuff other people noticed. I noticed uh, in Gwen's flashbacks when she's giving her origin, oh my god, before I even get a a step further into this, I want to say, remember how I said put a pin in the idea that uh, Gwen is telling the story at the prologue for a very specific, she's saying it a certain way for a certain reason? I Uh think the way she's telling it is her recruitment speech to all those spider people at the end. Ham, Noir, Penny, oh, all the way.
0: Yeah. Sorry,
1: Let's do this differently. This is what happened in the first movie. Here's what happened to Miles in the second movie, the way it's being shown flash future forward. I think that's the conversation she had with Pav and all the other people. That was, here's what happened. Do you want to join me? That's that's You know what? You
0: that, know what, you know what that way. You know what the true superpower of this movie is? Clever yeah. screenwriting. I thought you were going to say friendship, but yeah, that too. No. Clever screenwriting.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I'm glad I remembered to say that. Going back now to trivia. In Gwen's flashbacks of her origin story with her Peter, there's a brief frame of her, her father George, Peter, and Aunt May sitting with their hands clasped and their eyes closed like they're saying grace at a dinner table. It's Halloween. You can tell it's Halloween because George is dressed as a cowboy. Gwen is wearing an orange t-shirt with a traffic cone on it. I think she's supposed to be VLC media player. And uh, no, she's the cover of Craftwork's first album. Could be. <laughs> Peter is wearing a dinosaur onesie, which broke my fucking heart. Did a little bit of li- you know, lizard. Yeah, Gwen, Gwen's rocking motoric. with those motoric beats. Peter sitting there in his all, all but his lizard costume. Um, that is funny. I should point out they have bagels on their plates. This is, this is, I will say, this is the better multiverse movie that involves bagels. That leads me to my other bit of, uh, uh, so I only, with all the billboard shit in this movie, you would think there'd be a, in the first movie, you would think there'd be a billion billboard and, like, little close-up jokes like that in this movie. Um, the only one I really, really, like, noticed noticed was the venomant Gum. Beyond mm-hmm. that, during one of the spot chase sequences, there is an advertisement for a movie called... All of it, always, all over the place, with like a big gold bagel on the billboard. Ooh, so that, that's as far as they got into that. Boo. Um, when talking to her father in costume, Gwen lowers her voice, just like Miles does when he's talking to his father in costume, which I thought was a fun parallel. Yeah like one of the most obvious things in the world but when a new character is introduced with their like i'm spider-man here's my exposition thing that comic stack that the comic drops onto it's it's staying the same and continuity it's just getting bigger here oh, yeah. it's i love that so much um it's an easy thing to overlook but i love it not only does spot call it an atm machine in the same breath he says the phrase pin number which i thought there's there's something there that that joke with like the chai tea ATM machine pin number. Yep. The whole point is doubles where they don't belong, and I think the ending with with bad miles really is just the cherry on top with that it, with the concept Dude. of doubles where they don't belong. What a, what a brain genius thought stuff. Uh, when Rio snaps her fingers at Miles for having a B in Spanish. There's a little like confetti effect that comes out of her fingers. That is literally the Puerto Rican flag.
0: Yeah, I was about, I was gonna say that when that scene popped up, but I was like, Alex probably has that in his trivia,
1: doesn't it's he? So good, I love it so much. Um, the contact picture when in the first movie when Jeff tries to call Aaron, that contact picture of them in the nineties. Yep. Um, Aaron has that picture framed in his apartment. After he died, Miles now has that framed picture in his dorm room. There you go. Oh, presumably they cleaned out Aaron's apartment, and Miles got that. Yeah. Uh, in Miles' sketchbook with his Gwen sketch, there's a bus ticket. It's the ticket for the bus ride back from Alchemax from the first movie, because he's a yeah. sentimental little motherfucker. And the last of my personal trivia that I noticed with my own eyes, when they get the hot dogs from the vendor guy and they web it the money to him, it's a twenty-five dollar bill. Wow, inflation is fucking crazy. So now here is some other stuff that other people noticed. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller revealed that uh, this is the largest crew of any animated movie ever with a thousand people individually working on it. Uh, It also has 240 characters taking place over six universes. So those are just numbers wise what's going on. It it somehow doesn't feel like a
0: complete mess. That's that's great.
1: It flies by. cohesive as hell. Uh, At 2 hours and 20 minutes, it is the longest American animated film to date, surpassing the previous record holder, Consuming Spirits, by 4 minutes. Wow. Animation department teams were named after New York City neighborhoods and streets. They were Chelsea, Bedford, Stonewall, Weaver, Mulberry, Flatbush, and Elm. Cumulatively speaking, this is Oscar Isaac's fourth Marvel project, if you count... uh, (laughs) you count miguel o'hara and uh into the spider-verse as his first x-men apocalypse as his second and moon knight as his third uh yeah late in the movie you can notice that uh mayday parker is wearing pajamas with little images of spider ham on them Yep. um one thing i thought was interesting is that they they brought hobie brown into the fold in this movie with him being the original prowler from the i think 69 was the first appearance of that I really thought at some point they would make some kind of reference to that. The fact, you know, there's Miles, there's Hobie, and, like, there's no Prowler between the and the pair there. I, I don't know. Something there. But yeah. interesting that Aaron Davis took up that mantle, and they've got Hobie here now. It has been 12 years since Josh Keaton voiced uh, The Spectacular Spider-Man. His most recent appearance was not in The Spectacular Spider-Man, but Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. <laughs> oh. oh, Josh had Stay Winning. When the spot reveals his backstory, there's a brief scene showing Spider-42 being teleported from its original universe. In this scene, Spider-42 is crawling on the desk of Miles Morales about to bite him, showing that Miles-42 was always supposed to be the Spider-Man of that universe. Now, in my mind, that gives more credence to your theory of there are no anomalies, that Miguel is full of shit, because A. Miles was always gonna get bit by that spider. Up until we saw this movie, I had a theory But in the third movie, we were going to meet the Peter that was supposed to be Spider-Man in 42, and he was going to be like an integral part of getting Miles home, because I imagine he's still a genius, but he's just not Spider-Man. I would figure Miles is going to seek that Peter out, and for all intents and purposes, he absolutely still could, but now we know that Spider was never going to bite Peter. it was always going to bite Miles, so interesting stuff yeah in my opinion it's interesting totally leaves the door open for what i think could happen but like in my brain there's a peter that was supposed to get bit maybe he'll be bitter no he was never supposed to get bitten so i'm glad that resolves that i noticed that on the second watch that you see that black and white you can only tell it's him because he's got the braids but definitely look out for that on your next watch it's awesome yeah, I, th- I think somebody told me that on twitter and i was like hmm interesting in the Japanese dub, Spider Punk is voiced by Subaru Kamura, who is a professional singer and musician in his own right. Uh the only difference is he is a rapper, not a punk rocker. In the Norwegian dub, Spider Punk is voiced by fila a hip-hop and rap artist from that country. The film is banned in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates due to the Protect Transformation. Jesus banner in Gwen's bedroom. Uh yeah. Yeah, right. Uh a, I, I hate to admit this one. I hate to admit it, but it's me, and I'm gonna. Positive example that worked out in the end, similar to Venom and Spider-Man 3, Avi Arad was the one who requested the film's big bad, The Spot. After going over his power set, Lord Miller went with Arad's suggestion. His inclusion as the main antagonist of the film has gained much positive attention and critical reception. I gotta agree with the man. It was a good call. I, I, I can't believe
0: I'm saying it. I, I have to give it
1: up. For oh, you're odd. He, he pulled out a win here. Who's the spot? Okay, whatever you say, Grandpa. Um, Phil Lord said in direct messages that he believes Hobie is 15. Other crew members say Hobie is at least 20. I don't think Hobie is 15 years old, but that's just me.
0: Yeah, I mean, generally, the, 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 the trajectory of Spider-Man is that you usually become Spider-Man when you're 15. Uh, right. But there's, there's no way.
1: While fighting the Vulture at the beginning, a trailer originally had Gwen quip, Sorry, the only Italian I know is from Mario Kart. This line was removed from the film, presumably because of box office competition with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Except that movie ended up, well,
0: I don't actually remember. I think this movie was originally supposed to come out in April of 2022, but I don't know if the
1: Mario movie ever got delayed because of oh, that. That, that. could have happened. Any edit could have happened in between then. Who knows? Who knows? Originally, uh, Olivia Octavius was supposed to make a reference to the power of the multiverse in the palm of my hand, but they gave that line to the spot in this movie for some reason.
0: Well, that makes more sense because, you know, the spot is talking about himself. And, you know, it would be kind of random to just have uh,
1: Doc Ock in there for no reason. And last but not least, I kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, a bit of a theory of mine that I share with other people. Josh Keaton suggests that the death of Captain Stacy for Spectacular Spider-Man, the loss of another male role model in his life, made Spectacular vulnerable enough so that when Miguel arrived and basically told him that all of these tragedies are part of a bigger plan, Spectacular willingly goes along with the plans of the Spider Society despite internally knowing that it means more people are going to die interesting. Those, those are lit from from your lips to God's ears. That's what that's what Spectacular's voice himself thinks. I I don't have any delusion that we're going to get more Spectacular Spider-Man TV seasons. Oh, I yeah, no. Maybe someday they could continue in a comic if they want to print some more of their own money. That could be an idea, but until then... The only bits and pieces of that little twerp we're getting are in these movies, so I would love for there to be some payoff in the third movie of, hey, my whole thing is I don't stand by and you made me stand by. there, there is there is that very good uh Batman eighty nine comic that's
0: a follow-up of, of the original Batman and Returns. Uh, but you know, it could it could I, I think they could do something like that for spectacular. Like I said, it would just be printing their own
1: money. They know how badly people oh, yeah. want it, so
0: all right, so uh, now we can move on to the ratings and the rankings. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Please do. Uh, I, I've like I said, they took this shit to the next level on the visual and the writing front. I think the characters are the character work is the character work already in the original was great, but it's it's so much better now. Everything is so much more fleshed out. the Visuals are even better looking. You know, just just the way that they were able to just completely amp up the creativity to the next level is, I think, really a testament to the skill and the talent of the people working on this movie. Uh, but, you know, it just kind of stops. It doesn't really end. The, the movie just kind of stops. Uh, so I can't really give this my full seal of approval. It is very good. I guess we just have to wait for fucking Topher Grace or somebody to edit this together with, with <laughs> Beyond the Spider-Verse for, for, the tr- for the true masterpiece. So I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. And I'm going to slot it in. Where's my ranking? I'm going to slot it. Uh, I, I, I have said I have, I have slightly redone my ranking, so I've broken some of the ties. That's uh, so at the top of my list is the original 2002 Spider-Man. I love that movie so much. Right below it is Into the Spider-Verse. I've given both of those movies five stars. And I've also given No Way Home five stars, and it's right after Into the Spider-Verse. So I'll be putting Across the Spider-Verse, below No Way Home, but above Far From Home. Understood.
1: Well, I'm I'm very much in the same vein with you there. I've really enjoyed this. sequel This is a real thing, and there was every chance yeah. that, uh, with not only the COVID pandemic, with the delays, with... Literally every single facet of, of this that could have gone wrong, this easily could have turned to shit. Easily. Especially since, especially since you know, it's been five years since uh, the first movie came out. But I really think this lived up to the hype. Not only did it live up to the hype, it has expectations for the third one across the board set sky high. So it's going to be awesome if they can stick the landing on this fucking thing. I, oh, yeah. I agree with you that there are some definitely uh, some pacing issues that definitely need to be addressed. Um, another bit of trivia i didn't mention is that this movie was finished 13 days before it hit theaters and you can kind of tell um, it does not feel like all of the cake has stuck to the pieces of the mold that it needs to stick to um, not underbaked but it just isn't all there there's definitely definitely a way they could have made this movie and told the exact same story but given it an ending um, has Like you said, it just kind of stops. It's not really a satisfying ending. It is very much meant to lead you into a movie that's supposed to come out in nine months, but if you're a realistic person, you know it's not. Um, yeah, I feel very comfortable, very comfortable giving this movie a four and a half out of five when I gave the original one a five. Facing issues are one thing. I am also a huge nerd, and I'm more than a little upset about the portrayal of Ben Riley and how it was done. Literally, the easiest answer is you could have just made him Kane. Like that's that's who that character is. But the, but the thing is, is that people don't know who Kane is. Nobody gives a shit about Kane. No, nope. and nobody already gives a shit about Ben Riley. They give a shit about Ben Riley's costume. <laughs> people have a
0: vague idea that there's a clone of Spider-Man. They don't know that there are like eight clones. But
1: that of wasn't even the joke with him that he was a clone. The the joke was that he was emo and he had muscles, and uh, it, uh, it just didn't land for me. It's it was not, funny fuck you it, it, it's not enough of a drainer to make me lower this to a four i still really love the movie and they could they could have made it Ben even worse and i still would have given this a four and a half it's just a gripe for me he's my favorite we need to get- he's my favorite non-peter spider person and to finally see him in something was just like i was crushed but it is, what we, need it to get, is. we need to get jackson on here so he can complain about ben huh. and uh, i can just keep defending it uh, but as far as my ranking goes, things have changed a little bit. Um, I've bumped a couple ones around. I, I, I'm not one of those people that says, fuck you, I think Tom Holland sucks now. But I have, uh, since we ended the show, I have seen all those movies again, and I feel about them a little differently. Uh, yeah. Not to tangent it too hard. I really, really like No Way Home, and that's not just with Toby glasses on. I think it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. I really, really love Homecoming for what it does with the, the, the underdog first third of the origin story type thing. The more and more I think about Far From Home, the more I realize the only thing I like about it is Mysterio. Um, Wrong. I, 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 Wrong. I, I know. I know. I'm talking to you about this, so I know how that sounds. Um, it's not that it's the only thing it does right. It's just that i I really find myself soured on the European setting. I really find myself thinking like they, they should have kept it small scale. And there's a way they could have told this whole story still in New York. But that's that's just my personal gripes. So with that said, i I, I can understand. my my thing with far from home is that I
0: not only do I really like mysterio is that I, it's the first, like, spider-man movie with a live action romance that i actually oh, yeah. think is like good and well written and i'm like oh yes this is what i wanted
1: there's just big chunks of it that don't work for me in hindsight that yeah i can understand in that in the way that no way home and homecoming absolutely do
0: all the all the bits with the drones yeah are super yeah, 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 great yeah. but they need that for they need that for mysterio and i think the mysterio stuff papers that over for me
1: that's fair my revised ranking now i'm gonna start from the top number one in I still consider Into the Spider-Verse the best Spider-Man movie. I think Oh yeah, definitely it, it hit highs that, that others still have not been able to touch. And with that said, I'm gonna be bold here and I'm gonna say number two is this one, Across the Spider-Verse. I think I still think that both of these movies are if you if you chop it all up and boil it down to its bare elements. I think the bare elements of these two movies are still better than the bare elements of anything that came before it. I, I think these are the. Most, oh yeah. I think these are the most honest, accurate, and true to the message of the writers' Spider-Man stories that have been told in a movie theater. It's not the I, I would. That's I not, would say it's not dissing the MCU. I just think that animation has always been and is always going to be the way to tell not just Spider-Man stories but stories like this. Uh, we. we they tried telling a bunch of animated Marvel stories in 2007 with like Invincible Iron Man and the Doctor Strange thing. Oh, yeah, it just didn't take this is fucking taking. And this is what it always should have been. If you ask me, I just just to sort of go back to my own. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah. Uh, the,
0: the rainy one is on the top, just because I think that's such a perfect encapsulation of the character. I mean, just one is my number one live action. It's the next one. I'm just oh, that, I'm so wicked. just that just that little shining diamond. Uh, it's such a perfect little gem. Uh, and I feel like for across the Spider-Verse, the high, the highs are higher than basically any of the other movies, yes. but that into is just a much more complete movie. Or we, uh, yeah, the
1: arcs aren't necessarily all the way there. Cause like we don't get the payoff on Peter B's like yeah. fully acceptance it, of wanting a kid it, and everything, but like it's an, it's there enough.
0: I would I would compare it to uh, I'm going to I'm going to date myself by by saying this because I just played through these games last month. Uh, I would compare it to Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, where uh, Mass Effect 2 is basically all set up and Mass Effect 3 is all payoff to the point where uh, your power progression is split in half between those two games, mm-hmm. where you can only get to level 30 in Mass Effect 2, and you can get all the way up to level 60 in Mass Effect 3. There are two parts of the same thing. Stylistically designed to be that way. Oh yes, <laughs> I may have gone too far in a few places.
1: But yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi, two thousand two Spider-Man is my number three. Uh, I think it's the best live-action one. I think it distills the spirit of that age of, of storytelling down to the most pure form. I think Willem Dafoe is is and always will be the best portrayal. Of a villain in these movies like Willem Defoe Willem Dafoe is fucking insane he's awesome he brings his fucking egg there's 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 no reality where spider-man one i think at the end of the day isn't the best to me i know i said two in the past i've had some time to think it's one for me uh number four no way home uh i have it right I have it just over spider-man 2 at number five it was a big debate for me i, I was like am i really calling no way home better than spider-man 2 and at the end of the day no Way Home sets up one of the most perfect origin stories ever for Spider-Man, like finally establishing him on his own, street-level, great costume, completely open world for new adventures. Spider-Man 2, as good as it is, is really kneecapped by the romance plot, like severely. Yeah, it's... To the point where, I, I, comparing I, the two, I have to give it to No Way Home. I, 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 it's hard to describe why I would like No Way
0: Home so much. And, you know, especially now where it's talking about the MCU is just like such who gives a shit about the MCU anymore. It's just so exhausting. But I go back and I watch No Way Home and I'm like, that's that's visual. I've said before that visually just like on a a spiritual level that Tom Holland is the closest to my ideal version of Spider-Man because he looks the part. He plays
1: it the way I want it to. It's he's just so good. Not just on his merit either. It's great to see that Andrew and Toby still had that in. Oh yeah, and
0: and they get and it, Andrew and Toby find, to remember one Andrew Garfield finally gets to be Spider Man in a good mm-hmm. movie, uh, and uh, you know the everything just gets it's to be capped off nice. I just like most it, it gets the char- it gets the characters right for yeah. me. It
1: just. You know, a little allusion to Toby having a happy family and life and his universe and everything is it's all just like We all got what we wanted with that movie, I feel. So that's so far that's my top five. Into, across, Raimi one, no way home, Raimi two. Directly under Raimi 2, I have Spider-Man Homecoming as as my, my next favorite. Right. I, like I said, I really love the underdog origin story element. I re- I'm a huge fan of the, the pajama suit. I really, you know, Scarlet Spider, allegory aside, I love that that was his street-level, like, I'm on Daredevil's level type, I'm-gonna-fight-crime suit. A good movie. Uh, so that's that. Homecoming I have there at 6, I believe, under under Spider-Man 2 directly under that, uh, Far From Home, uh, keeping, with, uh, keeping Holland in just about the middle to the upper middle of my, my ranking here, love them. Uh, under that, I still have Infinity War and Endgame on the same level. They're, they have about the same amount of Spider-Man, if you ask me. Uh, Civil War, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Under that, I have Spider-Man 3. Uh, under that, I have Civil War. Rounding out the bottom, uh, number nine, Amazing Spider-Man, and at the bottom, where it belongs, Amazing Spider-Man 2.
0: What about Spider Man where, seventy Where'd you put Did I that? leave that
1: out? I did leave that out. I will put that above Spider Man three and under Infinity War and Endgame. I would rather see. It's not that Civil War. Damn. It's not that Civil War sucks. It's that I would rather watch the parts of Spider Man that are in it than I would watch all of seventy seven all the way through. It's not dissing seventy seven. It's just it's not my. I want to watch a Spider Man thing. Oh, so it's you know what I mean. So you would you would put, put seventy seven over three. Yes, I would um the i know that might be controversial but like three it's fun it's raimi and it's got the parts that shine out of all the crap like not the story raimi was wanting to tell and that super hampers it 77 was at least the story some guy was wanting to tell and that kind of shines through. It. you mean you mean the man the myth the legend ew swackhammer? how could i forget um There's just a genuineness to 77 that shines through that isn't there in Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 is a watchable movie, and I'm such a sucker for the symbiote that I'll sit through it. But, like, I don't
0: I don't think I don't think you remember how boring 77 was 70. I think you and I both 77 was so fucking
1: boring. It's boring as hell. But again, three is just not willing to sit through it. But like. Yeah, I, I can calmly say I would rather watch 77 The Civil War, just because Civil War is not a... All of Spider-Man and Civil War you can watch in a YouTube clip in seven minutes. It, it's it's not a Spider-Man movie. Uh, I, can't,
0: I can't believe you we've completely flipped on how we feel about 3, you and I. I, I, like, I. I was the one who was down on the 3 in the episode that we did, but now you're more down on 3 than I you know, am. If you
1: sat me down and made me watch it right now, I'd probably sound a little different. I guess it's just how far removed I am from having seen it. I guess that's true tentatively tentatively i have it just above spider-man 3 but if i wake up on the right morning and say no spider-man 3 is better don't be surprised that's fair well that's that's our
0: show thank you so much for listening if you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on whenever we do this again because this is a bonus episode this isn't season
1: three place in our lives we'll return to to weekly spider-man stuff One
0: one of these days uh, anyway, if you got a question or comment that we'll eventually read on the program, be sure to send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or you could shoot us a DM on our Twitter, at spideysignals. Uh, we'll be back eventually, uh, maybe for season three, maybe when uh, uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out in 2037. Mm-hmm.
1: I know we uh, so, previous episodes have also toyed around with the idea of doing a non-Spider-Man thing. We could always even do that. Who knows? I mean, anything we, is we possible. Very much tolerate each other. I, I did
0: a whole podcast. I did a whole extra podcast in between uh, 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 the end of season two and now. I did electronic fun. Please so, go listen
1: to that. Uh, me and Alex talk about Half Life. Al- Alex is on that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but until then, stay responsible. Uh, bye.
1: Godspeed, Spider-Man. Get the on, get the mom, get the Spider-Man.